0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester and welcome to Wait What, the comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I bring you two-plus hours to discuss the rumors of a June DC relaunch. Graham is here to give us a lot of history and context, and I'm here to give you a lot of unsubstantiated theorizing. We also talk about the near-total failure of the DCU, the likely failure of all-new, all-different Marvel, Scooby Apocalypse and the Hanna-Barbera reboot comics, The Achievements of Tom King, That One Page in Enigma, Black Magic by Greg Rucka and Nicholas Scott, and a What If Story featuring Miracle Man You Just Might Have to Hear to Believe. Show notes are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy... And thank you for listening.
1: Hello, Jeff Lester.
0: Well hello, Graham McMillan. How are you?
1: I am good. I am really surprised. Because uh, I for some reason had the speakers um up quite so loud. <laughs> and so when it rang, it really fucking rang.
2: <laughs>
1: and I was like, oh my god, what's going on? Oh that's right, I can just turn it down. Ha! <laughs>
0: Well, I, I do appreciate the fact that you you committed to the panic part of the plan first. Oh, it,
1: it it definitely worked. You know, instead of checking in, I just checking think it's much better to go
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes. I feel like there's such a good segue from that into comics somehow, like <laughs> the industry okay. that goes no. <laughs> okay, what? so let's talk about a no. Then mm-hmm.
1: uh, I sent an email to you, the the DC relaunch which broke like the news of which broke the day after we recorded the last podcast. I
0: know. So I by know. this point,
1: it's going to be two weeks late for everyone, mm-hmm. but, but it's the first time we've had a chance to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote about it for the website. Oh, great. Uh, I, oh, my, wait. My, my, like the my other week. Yeah. yeah. The other mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I'm, I'm going to open it by asking you, where do you fall on this uh, rumored slash let's face it. It's clearly going to happen. June relaunch. Uh, well, Should I give some context? Yeah, to, I think to the, listeners, the listeners and also... So, yeah. like,
0: you play for time? Yeah, well, well, part of it is also kind of, I feel like there's... Uh, some of my info may not be particularly up-to-date, I suppose. so. Okay.
1: Short version is this. Uh, two weeks ago, the Bleeding Cool broke a story that uh, DC was, in June, planning to relaunch its line, its superhero line. Um, that was something that many people were were sort of like. Oh, I don't know if this is going to happen or not. It seems unusual. Uh, but on that same day, Dan Didio and Jim Lee both tweeted out a graphic which was uh, the word "rebirth" projected against a curtain. Mm-hmm. That was taken as being confirmation
2: mm-hmm.
1: that that a, a reboot was happening. Uh, our, along the, uh, I want to say it was the same day or maybe the next day. Jeff Johns and Ethan Manskyver then started tweeting to each other about Rebirth uh, as a hashtag and how excited they were about it, suggesting that two of them were working together on something for Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, various other rumors have broken, mostly on Bleeding Cool, that there's going to be many things happening in terms of creative shifts. Uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo have said that they are off uh, Batman, with issue 51.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Greg, Pack, and Aaron Cooter have both said that they are of Superman, uh, sorry, Action Comics, with issue 50.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Issue 50 is their last issue. Um, if you look at the solicitations for April, which is the furthest out we're at so far,
2: mm-hmm.
1: many books are clearly leading to some sort of wrap-up of some sort mm-hmm. in May. Uh, the Superman books actually have a two-month fill-in That begins in April
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, with Pete Tomasi writing uh, a storyline that actually goes across all of the Superman books. Mm -hmm. Superman Action, uh, Superman Batman, and Superman Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. It's a storyline going through both for two months. Uh, Green Lantern also says it's part one of a two-part story that will change everything. You know, there's a lot of that happening. Right. Um, June is also one year since the DCU launch. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, if those books did get the 12-issue commitment, means that it's the first month past that 12-issue commitment. Right. Uh, so that there are, for example, lots of rumors that books uh, like Midnighter and Black Canary and Starfire are basically going away in June. Mm-hmm. That That is perfectly feasible. If they're given a 12-month commitment, then, then they can have their 12-month commitment and June allows them to relaunch. Right. Um, amongst the creative shuffles that have been rumored includes Tom King taking over Batman, mm-hmm. while Scott Snyder goes to Detective, mm-hmm. uh, and Pete Tomasi taking over the Superman books. Mm-hmm. Not, not just Superman, but also uh, Action Comics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there is rumored to be a new Green Lantern title launching that is a title called New Green Lantern. Uh, which is going to be based around the Jessica Cruz character from Justice League, mm-hmm. while Hal Jordan is going to be going to a book called Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Again, all of this is m- completely unsubstantiated rumour at this point. Right? You have no idea what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there are various things to suggest that anyone thinking that it's a continuity reboot is is wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, not least of which Unless DC is literally junking everything it's had in in plan for a while. Not impossible. They basically did that for New 52. Right. Um, but we know that Jeff Johns and Brian Hitch were both planning future Justice League storylines together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, it's possible they're junking that. Mm-hmm. It's more probable for me that those books will just get relaunched. It's mm-hmm. an issue one. Um, also, we're going to have a number of mini series which are going to be continuing across that gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like TC Legends of Tomorrow, which I think only launches in April, mm-hmm. is going to be continuing. That's the anthology title that is is—it's uh, incredibly good deal, actually. It's like $8 for five full-length stories. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as it is, it's five full-on stories that I don't think anyone would really want to pay full price for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but still, like, as a format, that's a really interesting format to me. Yeah. Um, th- there's, uh, I want to say Suicide Squad's Most Wanted is going to be continuing mm-hmm. uh, at least until June. Let me check. Yeah, issue one came out in January and it's a six-issue series. Mm-hmm. Um there's a, there's some out of continuity series that are going to be continuing across the gap as well. Superman, American Alien is going to be going on, Rise of the Superman, the, um, the Neil Adams series is going to be going on through that time. Um, and also things like Scott Snyder has continually talked about his future plans for Batman, which suggests that his continuity is going to be continuing. Again, this doesn't mean they're not doing a reboot because Grant Morrison's continuity survived through the new 52 reboot the same way that Jeff Johns' Green Lantern continuity survived through that. But I still find myself thinking that it's not going to be a continuity reboot, but it is going to be a line-wide relaunch. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the background. Hopefully I've talked for enough time, Jeff, that you can
0: feel that you can
1: move forward.
0: Yeah, I actually think you talked so long I moved backward. At some point I was like, (laughs) hey, wait a minute, Graham. How can it be that Richie Rich and Casper continue to team up For the first time, even though they previously met already, you know, that kind of thing. So, hey, Batman and Superman have met for the first time, at least three times. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, uh, so hmm, my, my take on it was somewhat similar to yours in your column, which is, is that, well, uh, how do I put it? It seemed to me that as I think we talked about in a previous episode, DC has to do something. You know, it's clear that they are really have have run out of a lot of options Uh, and and the idea of a faux reboot. You know, it has worked for Marvel in a way, uh, sort of, uh, and DC technically has done it less than Marvel does. So they, well, I mean, not just technically, Marvel literally
1: does it annually now. Right, exactly. And DC hasn't really done it since New Fifty Two. Yeah, I mean, they
0: kind of did it with DCU, mm-hmm. but even then, they didn't really restart the mainline book. No, no, exactly. They it, 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 DC is has continued to sort of have the New Fifty Two where they sort of swap bits and pieces. pieces. Pieces out, but the the engine continues to propel them forward, and I and I think that uh, the idea of doing a line wide relaunch so that things go back to number one as a way to get, particularly if uh, I I only skimmed the most cursory of coverage, even the stuff at Bleeding Cool, but the suggestion that if nothing else they want new number ones uh for as as much of everything as possible with the idea that they're they what they've got up their sleeve with Batman v Superman is you know calculated to drive people into the coming into the comic book stores i I think that it makes that part makes sense. My worry is is well there's several worries and and one of which is, um, I think you summed up a lot there, but unless I'm mistaken, isn't also one of the ideas that that some of the core titles are going to be published, like, biweekly? Yeah. But, again, I, who knows? Like sure. that, was that could be a was completely unsubstantiated rumor, too.
1: Well, more importantly, it was a rumor that was entirely separated from this. It's a rumor that broke considerably earlier. Mm-hmm. And has sort of been folded in.
2: I see. I see.
1: Uh, and so I'm not sure how it, how connected it is. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, DC's had success with, with its weeklies before. Mm-hmm. And so I really wouldn't put it past them to be like, we can do Batman twice a month.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which, which seems like an interesting way to, to hedge your bets. I mean, I, so, uh, uh in theory, I think that especially if they don't go for uh, a a continuity reboot, but just go for a line relaunch, again, they're doing something that is uh, far behind the sort of thing that that you know Marvel has done. They're they're just now sort of getting on that bandwagon. It'll be curious that bandwagon may technically come too late, but I I sort of feel like they're thinking, you know what. Even getting a ten percent boost, you know, not crazy forty percent boosts, but you sure, know. yeah. E- even
1: if we just get the numbers up a bit, that that's good. Yeah, thing.
0: exactly. Be- begin that sort of fight against entropy that 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 Marvel tries to do with its sales numbers would work. My biggest worry is, is as I think you and I have talked about, the DC. I feel I I there's a lot that really suggests that DC's leadership is very dysfunctional at the top. Uh, I don't, I don't, especially, there's a lot of things that I think that actually Dan DiDio brings to the picture, but I feel that at least if the rumors are to be, be believed his sort of short-term attention span, you know, slash ADHD creatively, uh, can can lead to a lot of things not being gelled or refined as much as they should. And I, I feel that that was certainly one of the biggest problems, I think, for the new 52, was that everything launched too quickly, wasn't thought out particularly well, and there was no underlying game plan underneath it. And, and I feel that that very quickly... On the one hand, that should be able to offer, if it's used to sort of offer like a maximum amount of freedom, I th- I think that that can be good. And certainly in in situations where we saw people like, you know, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, strong team, clearly had ideas coming out of the gate of where they wanted to go and, and how to make such a strong start work, you know. But I don't, I, I think the the rest of the DC, it was very much this... There things seemed either a little less sure-footed, or there were so many titles out there, it was so hard to for you know a lot got overlooked. So a smaller, more focused relaunch, uh, maybe relying on stronger biweekly presence of the of of the you know quote unquote stronger titles. That, again, that's a playbook from you know post bankruptcy Marvel that. It, is not, in theory, is a really smart one to follow. I just... Well, it, but is it? Because, you know, Marvel did do this in the,
1: in the early 21st century, which we're now living in. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, not that any of the books uh went from great to terrible as a result. hmm But Marvel's... Uh attitudes towards scheduling shall we say right um has I think proven to be problematic after that
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: because you do have you know a book's coming out this month, it's not coming out next month, there's gonna be two issues in the month after that, right. then there's gonna be three issues, yeah. then there might be an issue after that the next month, and then it's going to be monthly until it's not right which which is very. Uh, it's very off-putting for me, and I've been buying comics for like three fucking decades. That's right. Never mind the newcomer mm-hmm. who understands the concept of monthly. And for that matter, understands the concept of every two weeks. Yeah. But if it's twice a month sometimes, except for the months where it's monthly, and then sometimes it might go away for a month. Right. Like, that's just insane.
0: Yeah, well, there is that. DC is... I hope DC is not thinking that all they need to do is sort of copy the moves from the Marvel playbook and that if it and 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 that they don't have to worry about the 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 mistakes and the shortcomings in that playbook coming back to bite them like i said my main worry is is that i feel that if nothing else dc's leadership is not really strongly positioned for this uh, i i don't think i don't think that i worry that either that whatever's going to come out of this this relaunch is not going to be focused enough or or that the focus that it's going to have is completely arbitrary and editorially mandated I you know I, I assume you also saw the rumors that suggested that uh, the idea that there there might be a plot point or a story point taken from the Batman. Be Superman movie to, to be integrated into the DC universe.
1: Well, but yeah, but what's really interesting to me about that is, uh, according to that rumor, mm-hmm. it's something that none of the, no creative teams know.
0: Yeah. Right. Which
1: is amazing.
0: Yeah. Which again, but it just is seems amazing. like a paradox. Yeah, exactly. So uh,
1: I, I've actually, I've got, I am simultaneously more or less in favor of this. Mm hmm. While also thinking it is ultimately doomed to failure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, I think the, I think there's, in theory, the ideas themselves aren't horrible. They're not great, as you said, but I think, I think particularly the thing that's frustrating is, is the thing that, that should have been a little stronger the DCU, I think would have been more of a proper way to go. Ended up clearly being not something that the marketplace responded to. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's one of my problems.
1: Yeah. Which is DCU is the reboot that everyone always says they want. hmm And no one bought it. Yeah. Like, it, the numbers for the DCU books are genuinely horrifying. Because yeah. there's some wonderful books in there, and it's not immediately obvious titles, and it's books doing interesting things with interesting creative teams. Mm-hmm. And and people just didn't buy them. Yeah. And, and at that point, you kind of, or at least I kind of have a, a sense of, if I was DC and I saw that, I would think, well, fuck it. I'm going to do like 72 Green Lantern titles as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm going to do Harley Quinn three books a week. Right. Because right. I tried giving you something else. Mm-hmm. And that, that for that matter, I tried giving you what you said you wanted. Right. And... You, you didn't buy it.
0: Well, cause I, th- and, 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 this is my thing, is because I think there are, de- like I said, there's significant problems with DC, uh, that I, f- the organization. You and I have talked about this several times, but, but there's certainly very strong, um, uh, it's easy to infer looking at various areas that the DCU happened at the worst possible time or one of the worst possible times with regards to, uh, retailer confidence and satisfaction with yes. DC. I, and,
1: and, I, and part of that was self-inflicted. I mean, mm-hmm. it's oh I, hugely, I think you just have to talk to any retailer yeah, and they will tell you that their confidence in DC as a company, uh, as a retail partner, in particular, mm-hmm. uh, is you know the lowest it's been in in a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but also, part of it was it was happening at the same time as Secret Wars,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like it happened simultaneous with DC, with Marvel Secret Wars launch
2: mm-hmm.
0: when
1: Marvel was also like we're going to throw out you know what was it forty five books, yeah. forty five series, right? Um, so it really was like the worst time to do it. But but also. This gets us another of my concerns about this relaunch, which is I don't know how DC can promote it more successfully, but they clearly have to. Mm-hmm. Like they, I I don't know what the answer is anymore, but but they have to, they have to promote it better. They have to do something more than they did for DCU. And bear in mind, DCU's launch included mainstream media articles. Yes. It included free fucking comics. That's right. It, a major digital push. Mm-hmm. And it still utterly flopped. And for that matter, people who read comics on a regular basis said that they didn't see any of the PR or the free comics.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So how, how do you fix that? Cause again,
0: in theory, DC did everything right. But clearly, it all went wrong. Well, again, uh, 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 I'm going to go out on a ledge and say that part of the problem is you've got a two-tier system. And it is quite possible that one of the mistakes that happened with DC and the DCU is DC was too reliant on... Uh, let's call for lack of a better term, let's just call second wave readers, you know, readers who, um, you know, are more active on like, say the internet, yeah. you know, who yeah. are more because, likely to buy DCU, digital. And I,
1: I, we should, I should clear clarify now for people who might be wondering, I don't mean DC universe. I mean, DC, Y O U, the books that launched last June, uh, your Omega men's, your black canaries, prez, mm-hmm. um, Midnighter, you know those those books, uh, were
0: strongly flirting with the Tumblr crowd. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and and I think my personal feeling is is that the Tumblr crowd is a uh, for me. I just think of it as essentially a a sort of a slower, um, form of, uh, what's the right word of engagement. So there's a lot of people, there's a lot of stuff in Tumblr, uh, Tumblr crowd people where they might want stuff, you know, instantly. But I think there's also a strong number of, uh, people in the Tumblr crowd who are, when they hear about a book, they're like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to pick up the trade you know i i think that there's a sort of a slightly more um uh, it's a it's a very catch as catch can it's a casual yeah. it's a casual readership which just, has a slightly casual engagement despite the sort of um very the passion, yeah. The, despite the amount of passion, what know?
1: I've also found out is um, a lot of the Tumblr readership. And it, you know, there's got to be a better way of putting that, but yeah. I think I think it it explains who we're talking about. Are not comic book fans? They're Marvel
2: fans. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good way um, to put it too.
1: And they are, they will complain about things they don't like from other publishers, mm-hmm. but they have no actual. Genuine relationship with Or engagement with Mm -hmm. Those other publishers And so You will put out Midnighter For Mm -hmm. example And The Excitement around Midnighter Is Midnighter which is A gay male lead Mm -hmm. Which does not In the least bit Shy away from The fact that the lead Is Is gay Mm -hmm. Right Um the excitement around that book is lesser than the excitement around Angela, mm-hmm. which is a book where Marvel won't even admit that the character is a lesbian, right? You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's but it's because, but it's a Marvel book, mm-hmm. and that I think is a difference. The only time I've seen excitement on the internet, um, to what I describe as like a Marvel level mm-hmm. for a non-Marvel title is Faith, right. And, and that's thrilling. It's very exciting for me, mm-hmm.
0: but it's also surprising as shit. Right. Well, because I think there is an idea of faith. Um, because
1: again, it's yeah. you know it's gone into third printing, but probably you no know, third printing on valiant numbers might still be terrible.
0: Might be. It it could be. You know. Or so, uh, I, I, so. So yes, I think I think that that's actually a really good point. The Tumblr crowd, like you said, they're passionate. Uh, and I think it does help with Marvel is Marvel has had th- the – their cinematic universe yes. is a sort of regular content delivery system. Yes. On, on top of that, they have – they at least market it as having strong ties with their T V division, which also gives them very strong tie you know, a very strong marketing platform for people when people can turn around and say that they're invested in Marvel characters and yet when you look at the representation there, what that means is those characters may skew very, very heavily toward their their cinematic incarnations.
1: Well I, I think a good uh giveaway about this mm-hmm. is you look at the amount of bucky presence right on on the internet and on social media which is very heavy mm-hmm. and then you look at the sales for the winter soldier series that just mm-hmm. finished
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know people didn't buy that book yeah and part of it is i think it was very much not the book that that audience wanted yes do you know what i mean like they wanted bucky to be like Emo Cyborg <laughs> who with a with a a, a heavy slash undertext. Mm-hmm. They didn't want, you know, it's heavy metal in space. Right. You know, did yeah. that that wasn't what they wanted. But I don't even think they picked up the book. Mm-hmm. I don't think they even realized the book wasn't what they wanted. I think they're just so disengaged with that. Right. You right. know? Because yeah. otherwise,
0: honestly, the sales of the Marvel books should be much higher. (laughs) Well, which, which does, which does indeed beg the question, you know, there, there is always for such a long time, there was a belief that with, you know, and again, I'm, people should know that as a dude who worked underneath Brian Hibbs, uh, I'm, I'm very much parodying a lot of, of his, uh, of the received wisdom, I should say. so, Definitely take it with a grain of salt, but for a long time, Hibbs would be the sort of person, and I feel that the the retailer wisdom held true on this. That apart from Batman, the original Michael Keaton Tim Burton one, there weren't a lot of uh, comic book movies that moved the dial. You know, in terms of like the movie came out, and then you saw a ton of presents in in the stores. Every once in a while, you would see things that were very strange. Uh, went outside that rule, you know, where it's the Watchmen movie may not have sold that many copies of Watchmen, but the Watchmen movie trailer sold ridiculous numbers of books like that really bumped things up. But then, you know, the sales at post the movie went down,
1: <laughs> but then people saw the movie.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And people weren't like, Ooh, let me chase that book down. Boy, hopefully it's as turgid as the movie, you know, and then things came back with, Watchmen, I think, but that being said, I do think that there is something to be said for the Marvel cinematic universe is a regular mechanism and that is able to continue to, to feed that audience now. So I think, I guess what I'm saying is, is it's a very different audience with very different needs and a very different sense of engagement with the things that come out uh, on the market specifically the comic books, I guess you should say. So DC with DCU, you can't, you can't launch a bunch of new titles, uh, and not make people aware of them unless I feel like you've got some other very, very heavy force of engagement to let people know about it in the, you know, the Tumblr, internet, social media, media. And, um, also, you until that happens until that that spark hits, you know traditionally, what you have is you 've got retailers being the people who hand sell your books you mm-hmm. know those are those are the guys if they believe in your material, they hand sell it if they um, if they 're heavily invested in that material, usually emotionally but at certain other levels, you know when you get to a certain thing where people are um, trying to buy something for a 1 in 5,000, you know, cover variant or whatever, there's a, there's a pretty good chance they're going to be pushing everything else, you know, all the other copies that they had in order to try and and make up for that expense. And I don't, I don't feel like DC, so you, you, you have a problem, which is DC behind the scenes. It's sort of like, uh, and, and this is where sometimes I wish we could just sort of push a button and the little hologram of Matt Turrell could, you know, jump in and start talking with us because Matt, as a, as a guy who really knows his sports, I think would, would do a much better job of, um, of carrying the analogy that I have, which is there are times when people who follow a sports franchise become convinced that the problem lies behind the scenes, that the owners have to sell, that the coach is bad, that the management is, You know terrible and that there's until you move those people out of the way there's going to be no way for the team to ever get its act together on the field
1: and I I think that's definitely a belief that exists for DC. I have a question about that though. Sure. Does it have to be Didio and Lee? Why can't Bob Harris leave?
0: Oh no, no. I I had started with Didio, but I I actually Harris. I think is is just important. It's the problem. <laughs> yeah, if not more so, because I think one of the things that we've really seen with DC, DC has had very long-standing problems with uh, talent retention, uh, and it's pretty hard after this far down the line to look at. To not have that end up on Bob Harris's feet, he's been very quiet. It it sort of reminds me of the way that we can people can talk about Marvel for a long, long time without ever getting around to mentioning Dan Buckley's name. You know, but mm-hmm. Buckley clearly has some role to play. That you know, he sort of and some sort of agenda that's set that's being followed. And and uh, I I think there's a lot to be said for. If nothing else, Marvel does seem to have a a better handle on talent retention to a large extent, and or Uh, uh, recruiting talent from DC. Well, because I feel, uh, and I could be wrong. I could be wrong. What I see is when people leave Marvel, they leave the big two. They go to Image and they start doing their own stuff. Some of the people, depending on you know the, go over to Valiant. go
1: Go to Marvel.
0: Exactly exactly but the- what i
1: was i was going to say is i also think that marvel I, I don't think it's talent retention as much as um marvel really somehow i immediately go to a place of threatening but it might be just be the opposite it might be that they're beautiful human beings
2: mm-hmm.
1: people are really unwilling to badmouth their experience at marvel yeah yeah and that they're definitely not for dc right <laughs> but 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 they like it's very very rare Mm-hmm. Do you hear people say I had a negative experience of Marvel?
2: That's
0: right.
1: Even when it's kind of clear that they did, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: With like someone just all of a sudden disappears, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with DC, you will have people who, you know, will do two years in a book and will then go somewhere else, and people are like, "Oh, DC again? See, <laughs> fucked up." And you're like, "Really? It literally could just be a leaving,
0: right?" You know, um, but well, I no, and you do get you do get people like I think, isn't it, Joshua Hale uh that did uh, had had a massive falling out with DC over uh, Green Lantern? Yeah, over Green Lantern, and talked about it. You know, because he's working for TV now. You know, and was able to no, talk he about talked about it
1: he, when he was working for Marvel. Oh, uh, interesting! Right, went to Marvel, but that's always something that's interesting to me as well. Mm-hmm. Because you do get people who follow up with DC and go to Marvel
0: mm-hmm.
1: and start badmouthing TC right and I'm always really suspicious of that because you're badmouthing the competition
2: mm-hmm
1: do you know what I mean like it's it's like well you have a vested interest in badmouthing them right now because not only do you know it's going to get a lot of publicity and therefore make you hotter, but you're also talking down the opposition
2: mm-hmm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it. It. It's tough. I like you said, people... but like Filekoff is is, uh, like is a,
1: is a completely stand-up guy. I don't mm-hmm. mean to say like I'm saying that because he was doing it cynically. I right. totally think that what he went through, he went through. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think I, so too. I, I'm not meaning to suggest otherwise. Right. Uh. But I. But I am always really suspicious when I see people go. And I. I do I name a name or do I not name a name? Jeff, uh, do I name a name? I, I would say you should name a name. Right? Okay, like James Robinson's uh, mm-hmm. upset at, at DC. Right. I'm always really cynical about it because it strikes me he's going through exactly the same thing at Marvel mm-hmm. entirely silently. Uh, unfortunately, maybe, I don't... Maybe when he leaves Marvel and he goes back to do Airboy 2, we'll get a uh, everything at Marvel sucks too. Mm-hmm. rats from them
2: mm-hmm.
0: but um I, just... I i don't know okay my thing is is and i and i could be i i could be completely and utterly off base but as far as i can tell uh, uh, one advantage that marvel seems to have is when you walk into there for the most part you understand what you're signing up for and what you're going to get. Now I could be totally wrong, but, and and I'm not exactly sure I'm not, I haven't been following what Robinson stuff's been doing, but I I would be surprised if he came on the fantastic Four not knowing where the plans were going to go with that, you know, and uh, although I could be wrong. And, and so I guess what I'm saying is, is I think one of the things that is, possibly of slightly more um, uh, has slightly more appeal than it is when you sign up with Marvel is Marvel's like, look, we're going to put you in the shit, you know, it's like, look, you're getting a book. This book is not going to, uh, you know, we're not sure if you can turn it around. We'd be willing to give you a chance, but you honestly, you may not necessarily have that, you know? And, Uh, Whereas I feel Robinson at DC had books where if he managed to make them successful enough for people to pay attention to, uh, he would either get blindsided with editorial mandates or he was not told that he was going to be phased out and replaced with someone else because they had decided to make that book like, you know, they made a deal with big talent In order to, in order to, um, and that talent wanted that book. I kind of, and I could,
1: what books are you talking about?
0: I'm thinking, I'm thinking especially that I feel that it sounds like earth two got shot out from underneath him after he went to great lengths to build it up and put a lot of energy in, into Mm -hmm. it, um, and I'm also actually thinking, and, and I could be mistaken, that his run on Justice League uh, around uh, around the time of Cry for Justice was supposed to be part of something much bigger that ended up getting truncated when they brought in. I, I, I want to say was that was that when we got the uh, reboot by with uh, Brad what's his name, Milter or no?
1: No, no,
2: no, 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 no.
0: I've totally got my time frame Yeah, confused. you've totally got your time frame wrong.
1: Yeah. Uh What was... Um, the, the Justice League, Cry for Justice thing went totally the opposite direction because he ended up getting the Justice League book from that.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, he went from Cry for Justice to. Justice League of America. And how long was he on? I felt like he wasn't on that book particularly long. A year and, though, and a half, right? two years? Oh, that's – I guess two years is not not a bad run. Yeah.
1: Maybe not. Maybe it's a year and a half. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I uh, – yeah, I want to say it's like 20 issues he was on. 20, okay. 22 issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but our Earth 2, I think, it, is, is just. Okay. Although his – I'm not uh, – I – would Sure, like I think Earth Two unfolded slightly differently,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but also I, I, it's a devils in the details thing. Mm-hmm. Like i I've definitely heard versions of Earth Two where it's essentially he walked off because he didn't want to share the that world with someone else mm-hmm. because they were going to do a second book and he didn't want anyone else to have it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like specific editorial mandates, mm-hmm. and part of me is always like. It's shared universe, like it's a superhero comic. Do you know what I mean? If someone else is like, "And we're going to do another book set in the same world," I think getting really upset about that is like,
0: really. Well, and we don't know. We we don't know well, where yeah, the yeah, truth yeah.
1: is. We don't know. The, yeah, we don't know the details. You know, like it could literally be we're doing a second book. We're taking all your characters away from you. Yeah, <laughs> for the exactly. second book, you know, exactly. like or even the second book might have been what became uh, World's End, the weekly book. Mm-hmm which mm-hmm. was specifically created to destroy the world. Right.
0: Yeah. So – You know, it's
1: perfectly possible that it ended up being – we're doing a second book. You can do whatever you want with our too, but would you also have a year before we destroy the world?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like like you – So I, I – uh, So all of which is to say there's certainly, like you said, because there is such a plethora of um bad news stories that are coming – coming out of DC, where where people got burned and... and...
1: Well, uh, also, the New 52 was terrible for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like when the New 52 launched, there was, like, a solid year of mm-hmm. I am eggs. I I'm really unhappy at how terribly this has been done. Yeah. I've honestly been shut on, and I'm off. And, like, and it, I feel like it really did last about a year. And when you hear that many for that long, not only does your confidence in the publisher to have any sort of coherent plan completely fail your confidence in the publisher to not shit on its creators. Right. Completely goes. And also no matter what DC then does, you can always point to that year and be like, but look what they did. And to your point, when it's the same people in charge, Mm -hmm. you have no like comeback. Mm hmm. You know, it's like, well, when the chips were done last time, they shat everyone. That's right. So who's to say they're not going to shit anyone now? And you have something like DCU, which is very much the opposite.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we're going to let, I, it was even, you know, DiDio and Jim Lee were giving interviews. We're like, you know, we don't care about continuity. We care about what the creators want to say with the books. Right. But again, it's sold like shit. Mm-hmm. Like the entire line just tanked.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um well, so but you- it, but again I feel like I feel like in order for with the exception of a few things um I just feel like those books probably needed probably needed 2 years to 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 really get off the ground with what I call the secondary readership. And in the meantime, they needed retailers to buy those books. To back them up, yeah. And, and, and hand sell them and build the audience for that. And comics retailers, for the most part, are very much of the, yeah, you give us good, you know, all we want is good material. Give us good material and yeah, but we I, will sell I, it. I think what
1: happened, what's going on with DC actually disproves that. Because mm-hmm. the DCU books, for the most part, are good. Mm-hmm. There are ones that were like, eh. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have some great books in there. Mm-hmm. And I think retailer hostility is so great against DC. Yeah. I talked to retailers before DCU came out, and they pretty much outright said, yeah, I'm literally getting what people order, and that's it.
0: And that's it. Exactly. Exactly. And so
1: so the idea of, like, you know, if the book is good, we'll support it mm-hmm. was not there. It was just the opposite. It's we are pissed,
0: and we want to send a message. That's right. And the message is, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, the message is "fuck you" because I think there is a little bit of the the problem where it's Marvel. Marvel's been very consistent in treating its retailers like shit, but the flip side of that is Marvel. Uh,
1: no one expects more from Marvel.
0: People, right? Exactly. No one expects more from Marvel, and I think there's a, a very good case to be made that that you know, again, this is something that that goes back to. Uh, you know even even back in the days before, with someone like with Brian where he has said marvel should technically be outselling dc the, you know by a factor like of 3 to 1 because he's like it's marvel's time now marvel is in marvel's characters are more popular than dc's characters right now the fact that you guys can only really sell about 20,000 copies more uh, is a sign that you're doing things wrong. Is, is the, the, We should be able to sell more of these books. And so I do think there's something a little bit, like a lot of retailers, some of them, of course, are Marvel fans who still have that Marvel, Marvel passion, but I think a lot of them are also, like, at, as someone who has worked in a comic book store, I happen to know that it can sometimes be, inc- selling some Marvel product can be just as easy as pointing to the shelf where it's on you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and and sometimes d c product takes more selling more hand holding more letting people know you know i mean, and of course, clearly that's not the case with something like for example Batman, although you know you can have the you know, it, it people walk in and you know they they're attracted to Batman, or you can point them to the regular Batman books, and they're you know it's like oh Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, it's right over there. People are gonna go pick it up. A little more complicated when you get to stuff like, I don't know, you know, like which Green Lantern book should I start with, or or there yeah. but there are the the little gems. DC's got a lot of the little scattered gems that that you that takes a little bit. It takes more effort and it's more hand-selling. And again, there's that idea of like when comics retailers feel like they're being treated like shit. They're like, you know what? I'm not going to put my energy selling stuff, hand-selling stuff that – for people that treat me like shit. Marvel treats yeah. me like shit, but I don't have to hand-sell Secret Exactly. Wars. Marvel
1: treats me like shit, but they're the biggest publisher in the, in the industry. Right. Kind of, what are you going to do? Right, you can't. You can't stop selling Marvel. Well, you can't go out of business. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, well no, but I mean, like, that's I mean, it. Th- that's, I,
1: yeah. I'll it. I'll, I'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. Uh, I want to pivot off two things that you said earlier. Right. One, which is the timing of this fascinates me, because if it is supposed to come off of heat for Batman versus Superman, why is it happening three months after the movie comes out? Uh part of me wonders if it's actually pivoting towards Suicide Squads, which I think is actually going to end up being a bigger movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: in part because, I don't know if you saw this, but they, they did a study of basically what superhero movies are people looking forward to. Right. Not only are uh, is Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn the two most eagerly anticipated superhero characters to debut in, in cinema this year, mm. according to a poll.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad are outperforming Captain America Civil War uh, in terms of anticipation by 500%, Jeff. Wow. Isn't that insane? Like, that actually kind of blows my mind. 500%, not 5%. Right. 500%. Um, which is, is nuts to me. And kind of speaks more to maybe something's going out wrong with Marvel than maybe something's going right for DC.
0: I don't. I don't necessarily think so. I could. I could be wrong about this, but
1: uh... I, I, I mean, put this way: if it was Suicide Squad, it almost makes sense. Mm-hmm. But Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad. Well, but uh,
0: how do I put this? I could entirely be wrong, but Batman is. The, one of the largest grossing film franchises right in the world. The Christopher Nolan stuff did bonkers business. You know, here you've got, and this, this may not necessarily hold true. In fact, a lot of people may disbelieve it, but I, I, I think that seeing both of those films as Batman movies makes them very, um, uh, to, things, to a
1: mainstream audience yeah. yeah
0: to a mainstream audience the idea that you're going to get a a a movie with the joker in it that doesn't have batman in it is is super enticing and i think the idea that you're going to have a batman movie in it where he kicks superman's ass and or is played by Ben Affleck. I think there there are for the people who are. <laughs> I, I actually kind of love. There's an entire audience out there who, for years, have been like, "If only Ben Affleck. Was if played only by... Ben Affleck had played it." No, but I mean, I think there is a little bit of that idea of like, you know, Ben Affleck, louche, playboy slash driven director obsessive. Like, there, I think there's people who are. I just think there are people who are into that. I don't think. I don't. I, just, I don't think they're necessarily cineasts, but I. I think that yeah. I think. I think well, those yeah. things have incredible appeal. Yeah. Those are those are those are big deals. And again, the Superman versus Batman, that thing that you that that every comic book hero person, everyone who reads con- superhero comic books has been exposed to multiple times it's in true. their it's, life. It's, movie fans haven't. Which yeah. is
1: it's your two guys beating up in each other. What? Which is also what's super funny that you have Captain America: Civil War like two months later.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And. I'm, Excuse me, but um, it's really interesting that you then have Marvel seeming like they're coming late to the party, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is going to be a first. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's very interesting times. To pivot off this entirely, yes. very different, interesting times. Um, I have seen a lot of retailers say that um, all-new, all-different Marvel is dying in stores. Yeah. Like really performing badly in mm-hmm. stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the first cancellation announced. Which uh, is what? Bla- Black Knight is ending <laughs> at issue five. It's not even making six issues. Right. Um, if you think about it, like, I want to say issues like issue two has literally just come out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we know of four books that sold less than, uh, Black Knight in the recent sales chart,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which are Hercules, Angela, um, Moon, uh, no, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. hmm And shit, another one I can't remember. Oh, Highland Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, man. Oof. Um, Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. is already missing from the most recent solicits. hmm And so has probably also been cancelled. Right. Uh, but it looks like Marvel is keeping to its, if it's around 20,000, it's probably going to die. Mm-hmm. A line uh, the problem is it looks like a lot of titles are going to end up
0: there very soon yes uh, well but this is so this is also it i there are two i think there are two different really sets of doldrums here and i could be wrong but i think dc's whole like whatever rebirth ends up being the best it's going case. It could be a line white relaunch. I mean it yeah. is right? uh, well okay, but I mean even saying that it's a reboot, which I doubt I doubt that it is. I'm just saying whatever it happens that that it is, and let's say that it is a line white relaunch, I think that Marvel shows you what the best case scenario is, uh, which is that you have, you know, maybe three years until you hit that wall the diminishing returns wall, you know? And well, and they, it'll probably yeah, happen sooner for for DC. But I think. does it or doesn't it? Because I
1: think one of Marvel's problems is Marvel this is the what fourth time Marvel has returned to this well in as many years? Yeah. Marvel relaunches everything annually now. That's right. Like the last Iron Man series didn't get a year. Yeah. The last Captain America series got six issues. <sighs> wow. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, yeah so it's, and and it that's right. a real problem, and you know Marvel is talking about we're thinking in terms of seasons, not series now,
2: yeah was well, just
1: this is the way they're going their problem the is problem,
0: is they're not marketing it that way, that's for sure
1: well i I was going to say another problem is they've got to think about seasons as being longer
0: Hmm. interesting then then a year,
1: yeah, I think you I think honestly, you've got to think of a season being at least two years, mm-hmm. Interesting. Because that, that, like, that's a chunk of story. You get 25 issues, mm-hmm. that feels like a chunk, you know? Mm-hmm. You get 12? Uh, maybe? I don't know. I, I just, I find, I think one of the problems is that Marvel is suffering from, It's. it was really difficult to get excited about all the old different Marvel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because ultimately it was, hey, it's, we're relaunching again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There was no selling point because they spent so much time going, it's not a reboot, everyone. It's not a reboot. It's right. not a reboot. It's not a reboot. It's not a reboot. Here's a new Miles Morales series written by the same guy who's written the last four.
0: Right. No, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, let see. That's it. Marvel's... It would be – again, it's that concept of – there, and again, you and I have talked about this. There is uh, anecdotal evidence to suggest that Marvel actually did bite themselves in the ass with this latest reboot in that they had managed to attract new readers pre-All-New All Day who couldn't underst- – you know, the series seemed to end to lead into Secret Wars. A lot of people wandered off, didn't come back to – compound the problem secret wars ended late so that the all new all different launch happened before that story had concluded and many people said i'm not going to pick these issues up until the secret wars story because i don't want to be spoiled or miss out or etc etc you know all of that all of when you look at it from a a publishing perspective Mm -hmm. secret
1: wars and all new all different all of that was fucked up by the fact that marvel needs to have x number of titles on the shelves at once Mm -hmm. someone pointed out that in one week in october Mm -hmm. there were books from the pre-secret wars marvel universe the secret (laughs) wars marvel universe and all new all different out at the same time yeah 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 like in the same week right which is
2: nuts Mm -hmm.
1: try explaining that to someone who just caught up on like agents of (laughs) shield no sure yeah. And goes to the store and it's like, hey, so, wh- you know, what's happening in the Marvel comics right now? Well, continuity is all restarting, but it's not. And you're suffer- you've got stuff from before the big storyline. The big storyline is going on, but it's actually been delayed three months. And here's the stuff that's after the big storyline. But you can read it without spoiling the stuff that happens in the big storyline. And it kind of continues what happened before the big storyline. But also there are some changes, but we're not, we don't know what the changes are yet.
0: Right. Like, sold. Give me six of those. Exactly!
1: Like, what comic do I read? Oh, you could read S.H.I.E.L.D., but S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually stopping with this issue. And then in three months, it'll start up. But when it starts up, it's going to be a totally different concept. And they're all going to be running around in jumpsuits and shooting guns, and Deathlock's going to be in there. Oh, I like Deathlock. Has Deathlock appeared in any other series recently? Yes, he was in the Super Spy book that lasted five issues. Oh, is that good? I don't know, I didn't read it, because 27
0: other fucking comics came out that week. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, I mean, so so DC and Marvel both, I mean, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that there are a number of problems that both companies face that are similar enough the, yeah, I I think I think there's a lot of retailers now who are like ah if they could if they could if they could actually sustain their sales by just ignoring or minimizing those those companies I think they would because honestly retailers are going are for the with the exception of how much nose to face effort. Uh, ratio was involved in, in DC, uh, in retailers slashing their DCU numbers. I think as a general rule of thumb, retailers want to make money and they would like to sell books that they feel good about, you know, their businesses. So there's plenty of times where they either a sell books that they don't feel good about or B, um, you know, have to more or less dumb down their expectations such that in order to feel good about the books that they're selling, they have to, you know, drop the bar considerably. But I think as as a general rule of thumb, the the, the golden ticket that they're the, – what they're shooting for is, you know – they want to sell things that they think are good and that, you know, and that they know will sell. So I think there's a, there's a lot of, when you get into situations where the rumors that Marvel is, you know, decided to minimize the X-Men presence on their collateral, their material, just because, you know, the rumors go, uh, Ike Perlmuter was upset that they don't own the film license and therefore they're more or less like betting against themselves, you know, you start getting into some really weird, like that's, that isn't, that's not, that's not the sign that you're, you're doing business with a rational business partner, you know, and hopefully had, people just... start looking at that being like, uh, maybe I should, maybe I should back away from this relationship a little bit. What's very funny as well is when those rumors broke,
1: you had a lot of people being like, oh, well, of course they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. And now you look at the Marvel line, and you're like, so there's three X-Men books as opposed to, I mean, I feel like it, within like a year, mm-hmm. there was, you know, at least double that, if not more. Yeah, And there's no Fantastic Four book anymore. <laughs> and it really is, it's tough to be like, let's get this straight. So Marvel has 80 odd titles. Including like four Inhumans titles, four Inhumans but, titles. That's but a huge thing right there. But it can't support more than three X Men books, mm-hmm. uh, or a Fantastic Four one. Yeah. It's it's just it's funny to me because when the the Fox thing broke, it was I I really had this this response of like oh that's terrible, but it's so terrible it can't be true.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you're later you're like it really kind of looks like it was true. Yeah. What the fuck?
0: Yeah, so so there's some really weird deals with the devil that are that are going on. I don't think that DC has the their their relationships. As far as I can tell, their relationships with everyone are far slipperier, slipperier than with Marvel. Whether Marvel is able to um, rule out of you know from kindness or from fear. The creative talent is is interested. I think it says a lot about this marketplace that retailers are cooling on Marvel and that all new, all different Marvel isn't selling. And for the most part, you don't really see them. You don't see the sort of angry, we're only stocking. You know, minimal Marvel titles across the board because they treat us you, like shit. You yeah, know? you want, you yeah. you want. That's not true. You will if all new Marvel continues to tank. I think what people are saying is, is, all new, all all different Marvel continues to tank because retailers cannot sell the books, and they are cutting the books down to the levels that they're selling, and that's why you're seeing things drop and drop and drop. There's just not a lot of. I I don't think that there's a lot of confidence. Uh, on the part of readers these days that they're going to necessarily get the material that they want from the big two, you know, and I just, and whereas I I feel that, you know, you see some increasing market share among uh, other publishers and, and it's, Hopefully, that's a good sign that what you're seeing is you're see- you're not the the money isn't leaving the marketplace. The money is just moving is reconcentrating. Well, the mar- the marketplace
1: areas. is growing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, like you can look at the numbers, the marketplace is is growing these days significantly slower than it was. But if if you right. compare, I think I said this on Twitter. I um I think there's an argument to be made that the new what the new fifty two was did mm-hmm. was it brought in an incredible amount of readers who went to Image.
0: That's right. That's right. I I think I I also accept that uh, that as true. I think there's uh, actually because
1: if you actually look at the market share, mm-hmm. like images stuck at four percent prior to the new fifty-two, mm-hmm. like somewhere between three and a half and four and a half percent. You know, I it, it like it it is like for a good five years or something.
0: Well, for a good five years, but I do want to point out that that because this was an argument that I was very fond of, and if you look at images. Image – I want I want to believe this theory, but there are times where this isn't the first time where Image has captured 10% or 11%. Oh, positive. sure, sure. But it's like, just the first time in a long in, time. In, in, like, yeah, mm-hmm. like
1: 50 years or something. Mm-hmm. But um, that anyway, for, for like five years prior to the New 52, they were yep. basically at 4%. Right. And then the New 52 happens, and that's when they start growing mm-hmm. to the point where they're now at essentially 10 Mm-hmm. They, they sort of peaked uh, it's a bit uh, about a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, and interestingly enough, for are seemingly going back down. But part of that, I think, is because Star Wars came in.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I don't think image right.
1: books are actually selling any less. I think that the market changed because Star Wars just came in and was like, Hi, I'm going to sell over thousand, 100,000 copies every month.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: So And so things started to get weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I think the New 52 – I think – because I think New 52 actually genuinely did bring in new and or lapsed readers. Yeah. I, thought it, I think it brought in people who were not previously buying comics on a monthly basis and then they started or restarted. Yeah. It's just that I don't think they stayed at DC.
0: No. No, I think I, – I
1: agree with you. I agree with you. Um, Um, Yeah. My mention of Star Wars also brings me to the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, which is the Hanna-Barbera books.
0: Oh, yeah. Fascinating.
1: Hanna-Barbera books. Um, Again, some context for people who don't know what we're talking about. Um, DC announced last week that they are going to be launching four series um, reviving and, to an extent, reworking Hanna-Barbera cartoons. There's going to be (laughs) Scooby Apocalypse – co-written by Jim Lee and Keith Giffen with art by Howard Porter in which the Scooby Gang are basically humanity's last line of defense against the nanite virus which is turning people into monsters. <laughs> I'd shit you not, that's the setup of the, the series. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a Wacky Raceland, I think that's the name of it. I might be misremembering the title mm-hmm. um, which is designed by Mark Sexton uh, who did Mad Max Fury Road's product uh, design mm-hmm. uh, and is oh, – I can't remember the name of the the, the writer, but it, it's a, a, a comedy writer who's going to be writing it and drawn by Leonard Manko, Leonardo Manko, who did Hellblazer for a while.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and that is genuinely post-apocalyptic wacky races, really 100%. It's post apocalyptic wacky races. Yes. Um, there is the Flintstones, which has been written by Prez's Mark Russell mm-hmm. uh, and is basically going to be the classic Flintstones setup. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a sitcom commenting on contemporary life using the Stone Age as a metaphor. Yeah. Uh, that's designed by Amanda Connor, but they've not named an artist yet. And then the, I think everyone agrees, the flagship of the line, <laughs> Future Quest. <laughs> Which is Jeff Parker and Doc? Shainer oh yeah, Doc Shainer. Yeah, redoing um, all of the old Hanna-Barbera adventure cartoons. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, Johnny Quest meets Space Ghost meets the Herculoids.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Which come on? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> seriously. The the preview of that one actually is just gorgeous. is is really really adorable. Um, but what a fucking weird line of books, right? Yes. The strangest. No one saw that announcement coming. Yeah,
0: and and there's a
1: the when they started putting out the because Danteo tweeted out the the Scooby Doo image mm-hmm. ahead of the announcement,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: people genuinely thought it was a joke. Because oh, that's the thing. If you see the redesign of Scooby Doo, oh man,
0: it's a joke as well. <laughs> I I uh, so uh, so yes, I have to say those things were amazing.
1: All I mean, all of it is just, just. I don't know because here's the thing: a Keith Giffen doing a Scooby Doo comic
2: mm-hmm.
1: has the potential to be great. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. It also has the potential to be a disaster. The best thing I said that on Twitter: I said uh, Keith Giffen doing Scooby Doo. I uh, has the potential to be genius or a train wreck. Mm-hmm. And Hank Cannels from DC retweeted it. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like well okay clearly yeah. he understands Yeah, but um yeah it's just it's it's wacky all of it it is, yeah. is just amazing right
0: well so th- and there is there's kind of uh there is the big the big question is why right that's the part that seems really juicy like why what what oh, motivated can- this
1: multiple buys
0: Oh, sure. No, I agree. There's not, it's not, I don't mean it in the why God, why, you know, existential, there will be no answer kind of way. But there is, there's a lot of like, you know, was this people who sat down and were like, hey, you know what? As far as we can tell, Afterlife with Archie revitalized the Archie brand oh, and no, we want to do something I, no, I different. I think you're looking in the wrong
1: direction, Jeff. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, Warner Brothers going, Star Wars is doing pretty
0: good for Marvel. What if you do that? That's pretty funny because I actually was going to say i th- I do think that there's I didn't make the connection with Star Wars but my worry is is that it is uh more of a Warner brothers uh man oh i I think it's almost certainly got to be right I mean mm-hmm. this is cheap product uh
1: development for for like if one of these hits mm-hmm. – like if Scooby Apocalypse becomes a massive hit mm-hmm then
0: you've, you know, you've proven the concept. I, I, I am fascinated by the idea that you would not draw a line between Afterlife with Archie and Scooby Apocalypse.
1: No, I can totally see a line, even to the point where uh, Archie had the hilarious tweet. Oh, did they? Yeah, Archie had a tweet where it was like, like, kid-friendly property suddenly re- transformed into a horror book? That's a great idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Like, Alex yeah. Segura
1: was clearly like, oh... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I can throw shade on this one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but okay. The difference for me is this: Afterlife with Archie is genuinely a horror book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Scooby Apocalypse is not going to be. You can tell. Scooby Apocalypse is going to be essentially aimed at the same Scooby Doo audience. Maybe the maybe the audience that buys Superman, but it's not going to be a horror horror book. Mm-hmm. You know. Like they they are different creatures in my mind. They they are both doing similar things, but to entirely different ends. It would be it would be similar if Afterlife with Archie was not as grim. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Afterlife with Archie, uh, I say this as if it's a going concern. It hasn't been an issue in fucking forever. Yeah. But uh, but Afterlife with Archie, I feel owes more tonally to The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And I think that level of nihilism will never be present in Scooby Apocalypse. For one thing, it's called Scooby Apocalypse. Sure. Yeah, Keith Giffin's writing it as well. It's going to be wacky. It's going to be the wacky fun book.
0: Okay. First off, uh, you may be underestimating the extent to which Keith Giffen will take his wackiness and drive it to dark extremes. Oh, no. I I read Threshold. Okay. So (laughs) I I, I think you're perhaps then – I'm not sure you should – I'm not sure you're – you should be claiming both no, no, sides no, no, no. of the argument I, I, at once here, Graham. So no, because I
1: think I think the mixture of Giffen and mm-hmm. Scooby fucking doo
0: mm-hmm.
1: mean makes it safer. I could be entirely wrong. Mm-hmm. I could be one hundred percent wrong. And if so, I am even more excited to read that book. Sure, I like, well, the issue ends with Fred dying. All about it. <laughs>
0: I, I'll be very curious to see, like you said, it, it has the smackings of, oh, we're just going to you know, update this. In fact, I think the Dio said something along those lines, like, we're updating this for today's crowd. What if these yeah. books were – what if these titles had been created today? And
1: He didn't even say that. He said something uh, much more interesting, which mm-hmm. was basically we're updating it. Uh, we're taking the concepts and we're updating it as if the characters had grown up with us.
0: Oh, had grown up with us. Oof. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know
1: what I mean. Like, there's something there mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you're trying to have your cake and eat it. You're going for the nostalgia vote and the it's
0: completely different vote, right? Yeah, I. So, so for me, how do I put it? Because of the way that Mar- if if nothing else, that to me suggests that they're going for an approach that is more. Uh, again, more afterlife with Archie, in part because Marvel, uh, Marvel's take on doing Star Wars was very much uh, well aligned with the Force Awakens, sort of like tomorrow's nostalgia today kind of. You, you know, it's like well, this it's, this it's product sure. is is the reassuring product that you know. Sure, you know? but
1: also Marvel's approach with Star Wars was: we've got a license book, we're going to put some of our top people on it. Yes. Which I think is how you end up with Jim Lee and Keith Giffen on a fucking Scooby Doo comic. Yeah. Say what you like about uh, Giffen? Uh huh. I think he is regarded as one of DC's top people.
0: Yeah, but I feel that that and n- n- how do I put this? I but, actually I don't like speak to the of, of – Exactly. talent to DC. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. I mean, because because I'm just sort of like I don't with the with the exception of Jim Lee. Once you drop Jim Lee's name out of that, I completely disagree. I mean, I think Keith Given is is absolutely a major talent. But if you were saying that, then it would be Scooby Apocalypse by, by Scott, Scott Snyder, Snyder and right? Greg yeah, Bula. Yeah. yeah, just the fact that that's not it. It's true. And,
1: the fact that we don't have like a Jeff Johns book in there. It's, it's... Exactly.
0: The the fact that you've got a Manta Connor doing the design, but it is but you know it it seems like a very surface gloss, and I personally think that a lot of that is. That DC, that that this is strongly connected to something designed to appease Warner Brothers and very much with this idea of like, we're putting our top people on it, you know, in ways. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Jim Lee's involved. Right, exactly. Jinx Jim is Lee's like, involved great Keith in the opening arc. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I, I I I'm I'm really fascinated by it. Part of me is is the thing that is heartbreaking to me is having just picked up the latest issue of uh, Scooby Team Up where Scooby Doo and the gang team up with Aquaman. I'm like it breaks my heart that Charlie Fish isn't in there. Like really, Parker and Shayner is the only team breaks, I can really it root
1: for. It's The Shelly Fish isn't given more opportunities at DC in general. Uh, it, yes, agreed. Like like honestly, the fact that he I mean, maybe he was, but I was going to say the fact that he didn't appear to be considered to replace Morrison in action mm-hmm. still seems
0: like a misstep to me. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Uh, you know the fact that the fact that by all accounts Morrison handpicked him to write the backup st- strips, and then Fish more or less receded into the background. Now maybe there, we don't know. Honestly, I don't follow enough. Uh, you know of Fish. Either online or throughout to know if he's got, you know, other engagements or other commitments. But certainly, he's a guy who does extraordinarily good work, uh, and and shows that he can sort of take the classic properties and and play with them in in a way that. Um, you know, is a little bit out of the box. I, it is, it's stunning to me and sort of depressing that he doesn't have that shot. I think it's interesting to see who that we're going to get from the Hanna-Barbera thing. And honestly, I wish that there was a more organic sense of (sighs) change, you know, like, I don't know, you know, one of the things that's really funny about this week in, in comics is i I hadn't been in the store in like um, I don't know, like three or four two two weeks, I guess. Not 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 even three weeks. <laughs> Sorry, three, four, five. Five up. weeks. Well, because I walked out with so much stuff. But let me just say that, like, in my hands right now is all the stuff that I've read since I picked up that since I went to the store yesterday. And I, I'm not uh, presenting myself as a as a typical reader, but I've got three, six, nine. 1215 I read I read 16 books 16 titles and the number of them that have superheroes in them are the uh, well I I guess are four five if you count scooby-doo team up since it has Aqu- Aquaman in it
2: you He's know a superhero
1: don't you say anything against Aquaman Right. uh, No, no, no. I just, I just mean in This is what I really want to say the thing about that emails with you about, but it's still going to be embargoed when the episode comes out.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, which is, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, But it's going
1: to be embargoed. Oh, this is really annoying. I know like three things that are are going to happen are embargoed, and I really want to talk to you about them. Right. (laughs) Next episode, Jeff.
0: Yes. Yes. When they, when they come out. But so, and of, of those five books, Two of them are a weekly Batman book. Like I said, one of them Scooby Doo team up. The other two are Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and Vision. Which this issue of the Vision was very good. I really think I understand why you're trade waiting for it, but I I, I sort of wish that you weren't. You I've know? got to
1: tell you, I uh, I read Sheriff of Babylon last night, I could, which for some reason like I I had but I hadn't read. So mm-hmm. I I read the the first, first one again, and then the second and third uh-huh. like. All in a, all in a, all in a wonder. Um Have Did you read issue three? I haven't read issue three yet.
0: I haven't read issue three. There's
1: a moment in issue three mm-hmm. where I actually, for the first time ever reading a comic, said out loud, oh, holy shit. Really? Yeah. Um, because it is something that is so literally from out of nowhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: genuinely paradigm changing. I know it's a three issue. Like, we're only three issues in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it does something that is so bold that I was like, "You motherfucker!" Right. Which then made me think I should just fucking pick up Vision anyway. I think but, you should. Like I, I'm, I'm so blown away by the third issue of Sheriff of Babylon, mm-hmm. and all three, all told, like it, it's, it's a really good series. It's, a, it's a very strong series that, um, that is doing really interesting things. Yeah, I quite uh, I quite like the
0: first two issues a lot. Uh, um, sorry, I don't mean, don't mean to cut you but, but, off, but... but yeah,
1: it's but it was. I was like, okay, I might have to pick up Vision because, like, I I know I'm going to enjoy it more, like reading and in, in a in a bunch, mm-hmm. but like I like that so much. I was like, you motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> I've never. Read a comic where I've been so surprised by something that also makes such sense, mm-hmm. given given the story and given what's happening, mm-hmm. that I out loud went, oh, holy shit. Mm. You know? Like, that's that's really something. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know? I, I, I really was like, oh, man. And I wish you'd read it because then I'd be like... That scene, right? That scene.
0: I wish I had. You know, it's so funny. It was, it's It's just sitting right there. There's another stack. Like I said, I read about 15. I've got another, uh, I don't know, seven books that I didn't have a chance to read. And I swear, I had a choice between uh, issue four of Unfollow and issue three of Sheriff of Babylon. And I, I went with Unfollow issue four because I figured chances were better that we'd be talking about it. Um, yeah,
1: and, and I, I'd, I'd like to talk to you about that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Well, so, so this is the thing. Part of me is like, I, I feel that DC might be better served by taking some of the famous properties that they have and and actually trying to build them into. Ongoing brands and taking them seriously. For whatever reason – Wait,
1: wait, 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 When you say finger properties, you mean – are you talking about Hanna-Barbera? Or I'm you talking Bar- about like Hanna-Barbera
0: and some of the okay. other stuff that they, okay. they might have up their sleeve. Well, that's
1: just say like I Warner Brothers see. has his fingers a lot of pie. Theoretically,
0: Warner Brothers could do a Harry Potter comic. Sure. Uh, in theory. I mean, you know. <laughs> they, in theory, they could do a Casablanca comic, you know, or a... – <laughs> No, but you know
1: what I mean? Like Harry Potter comic it has always seemed like a gimme.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like it's genre enough and it's enough of a hardcore fan base. Right. That you
0: know that for like Harry Potter could be DC Star Wars. It could be. You're absolutely right. It could be. And it might, considering that Diane Nelson has such a, um, was so hugely responsible for bringing Potter to Warner's and is now in charge of, of DC. DC, yeah. Yeah. That, that could be massive. I, it could be massive and it could happen. Uh, and I think that I I, think that's actually a great thing. I, I, I think if it
1: was going to happen, I think it would have happened by now. I... Um, well, this is an interesting year for Harry Potter. Right. we
0: have got the, the new
1: film and the stage play coming out. Yeah. But still, I kind of feel like if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Because Nelson's been in DC for, what, five years now?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Six? Well, there's, there's two ways to look at it. One way is, A, it's the... It's the you don't p- play that ace until you have to, because it really is your very last ace card, you know? Mm-hmm. The other thing is is that uh, J.K. Rowling is, I do not think, the sort of person that is going to be, uh, is my understanding. She's not hands-off with the material at all. She was not crazy about even the, the adaptations of the books into movies. You know, she she had a lot of concerns, and she had to be, feel part of the process. And I just, I don't think that that's a good blend with a monthly comic now,
1: Un- unless you get her to write it.
0: Yeah. Which I, it, which would be interesting, but I get, there are ways in which I mean, yeah, sure. Absolutely. You know, if there, if there, if there's a stage where you can get Rowling in on that, I don't think that that is something that she would want to do. she, yeah. if she did, like you said, if she did, if it she would have did, happened by
1: now. You could just let it, but also yeah. DC just print money. Like yeah, completely. If DC had a new JK Rowling, Harry Potter, yeah, yeah then yeah, I, yeah. I think they could just be like, okay, we're doing six issues this, and we're shutting them show up shop for the rest of the year,
0: everyone. Yeah,
1: right, right.
0: No, I mean, uh, actually, this this reminds
1: big. me. Did you see the rumor about uh, more Simon comics? Uh, I did see that. I did see
2: that.
1: Uh, Aces to be played. Uh, Again, background for for dear listeners. Um, There is a rumor that Vertigo is going to try and do what it did previously, which is a line of comics based on characters from the Sandman. mm -hmm. Uh, But this time, Gaiman is going to be more involved. Not ongoing. not, Mm -hmm. Not in terms of like he'll be writing them himself. Mm-hmm. but that he will be more involved in their creation and the selection of the creative teams mm-hmm. kind of like, um, the Techno latter comics? days. Well, I was going to say the latter days of America's best comics mm-hmm. when Moore stepped away, but he was like, ah, Peter Hogan.
0: Sure. Right. He comes in with the, those people are coming in with my blessing. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I, you know, I, it's, it's, strikes me as a very interesting thing because like I said, DC tried this before and it was not a great success. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, who who amongst us is going to put their hands up and be like, yes, The Sandman presents The Corinthian was one of my favorite comics. I right. don't get me started on The Sandman Presents Thessaly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, The Dreaming. I mean, The Dreaming had a run. The Dreaming lasted, what, six years? Five years? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But, but even so,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: like, I feel like The Dreaming actually did away with a lot of goodwill towards Sandman. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I—I I mean, I could be wrong, but I—yeah, I—I I, would—I guess I—I I guess I would co-sign that. I mean, as someone who—who—who who, who sort of, uh, you know, wandered away from Sandman and never really quite came back. Oh, I was on—I was on the Sandman train
1: all the way up to the end, and I want to say I got at least the first two years of the dreaming. Uh huh. And then you know realized very quickly, huh? This is—it's not even the dregs. <laughs> this is someone else's dregs.
0: right? right which i think so i think that that is incredibly important is i don't think un, unless gaiman is very very good at picking his people uh you know i will say that i think that that gaiman is not even though he's not uh he's it's rare that he's my cup of tea uh in 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 the comics world uh he's not admittedly not very easy to replicate so um so yeah, I, I think it's it's interest. It's more interesting to me that Gaiman is signing on with that to me than that the well, DC is if, doing if it. it. Is yeah, right? Because it's yeah, just a rumor. If he is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I would consider it a strong possibility. And to me, I also think that, eh, you know. So he's, he's got a new kid. Uh, it may be the sort of thing where it's like having a, a stronger sense of some form of guaranteed income on that. Whatever oh, deal is being cut for that is it's not – I can see where that would be other, attractive to
1: him. Well, the other thing that's also super interesting to me about that is um, when I was looking at what Marvel Comics are selling less than um, than Black Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it goes Angela, which is mm-hmm. a game and property, Right. Right. Uh, And you've got Highland Commandos, and you've got Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, and whatever the the other one was. I always forget one. Um, Selling worse than – Hercules. Selling worse than all of those comics is the new Miracle-Man material.
2: Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Numerical man material. Although I'm not sure if we're in the brand new stuff or just the stuff that most people haven't seen.
0: No, I think it I, my understanding is is that it and I could be wrong, but I thought that they were going to try and do yet another uh restart of the series when it gets to well, the they new have. material. To to the all new material? Or I, I thought
1: think, well, with the the all new material starts midway through the Silver Age. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And we're definitely on the silver age right now.
0: No, we definitely are. But uh, and I could, I will, I haven't been paying attention. But it seems but not to less, me that like that
1: book is selling like fourteen thousand copies. Yeah, yeah. Well, which is amazing. But the other thing is, Jeff, that material has been out of print for twenty years. Yeah. And it, it's not like before where it was like we can't use Mur- uh, Alan Moore's name; we have to call him the original writer. This, this is called Miracle Man by Gaiman and Buckingham. Yeah. It's material people haven't read
0: by Neil Gaiman, and it's selling fifteen thousand copies. I want to say, I my personal theory is I'm I'm not especially surprised, and that that may sound crazy, but there's two things, as far as I can tell, and it could be wrong. Yes, for me, I would say, again, could be wrong. Marvel by re-releasing the Alan Moore material. Uh, in the way that they did, um, <laughs> you didn't want to pay like five dollars an issue for sixteen pages of material, right? Exactly. I think that that created uh, perceptions about what the presentation of the material was going to be, and so I think my my personal theory is is that the. That the retailers very rapidly were like, okay, this is how much of that that we can sell. And I think quite sensibly they were like, and that's going to be how much of this material that we're going to be able to sell when it's, when it's gaming in Buckingham. So uh, the, the flip side of that is, is, I think, and it could be wrong, that when you have a material that's moving at 15,000 copies a month – Marvel is not going to put a lot of effort into marketing it, you know, and I could be wrong. Maybe it will be a thing where there will be a huge sort of the, the trumpets blare. But I think when the new material starts, I'm hoping at the very least, but I think, I think there is the way in which they Marvel and the retailers both were like, this is reprint material. Admittedly, it's of material that has been long out of print, but you know, What we're seeing is, is that, you know, with Marvel pricing each issue at $5, you know, for 16 pages of material, we can only move the meter this much, you know, again, it gets back to that, that hand selling, you know, like it's very, and also there is a little bit of, I think, once bitten, twice shy, this material was not completed. And I think there's a lot of people who are like, okay, if the storyline gets completed, That's one thing, but it's like, as long as you continue to just put reprint material on, it, I think everyone is being cagey because it's kind of that idea of like, I don't, they're not so, and, and by, by the same token, I think there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, give it to me in trade. I honestly think that, that Marvel might've been better off doing the more material going, you know straight to trade in lovely deluxe editions of various forms and types, really making a big to do out of that. Because I think they're the flip side, which is we're going to put this material in the market. And um, sadly, I would like to say that Marvel was like, Oh, and create excitement for it and help move the trades. I think Marvel, when they priced that shit at five bucks, they were like, you know what? We paid a lot of money for this (laughs) and we have to recoup, Some of it somehow, yeah. Yeah. I I honestly think so. I don't I don't know if you know. Talk about it's tough to tell where's the horse and where's the wagon because as far as I can tell, everyone is being uh, cautious to the point of utterly cynical about that material, and so. Yeah, I don't really know that there's a, a very strong sense from people that they're like, oh, my God, there's like new Gaiman material out there. But also, you know, it, it's that there is that weird zone of like this and it may change up. But, you know, Gaiman, Gaiman isn't like what does how many times do you hear people talk about like. Although I, I, I'm gonna to have to interrupt myself in mid-sentence sadly. It does seem like the 1602 franchise pops, is the, is the weird eczema of the Marvel Universe. Like it just... <laughs> you know like i i i really was like what the fuck is this doing it's like a weird world miniseries. it's just this strange scabby rash that that just does not seem to come
1: on if you're bringing back
0: fucking weird world
1: you can bring back 1602 especially cuz like they didn't even bring back 1602 as such they brought it back as an Angela 1602 well, okay like, doubling the game in. Sure, sure. Doubling,
0: doubling down in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they didn't really bring back Weird World in any conceivable sense. They just brought brought back the name. Yeah, exactly. So 1602, but that it isn't one of the... A star is part of this miniseries. Yeah, bad. exactly. I mean, you know, but I mean, they've done 1602. They did like 1604. I swear they've done some other sixteen oh material. Like Peter David did the 1602 times two or whatever. I uh, yeah. did
1: 1602 and I want to say Jeff Parker did at least one 1602 miniseries. He might have done Fantastic Four with a key.
0: Right. See there you go. Fantastic four. So there I mean so so yeah, that that doesn't but I was going to say that really Gaiman's work like Eternals, you know, I oh, just Oh, yeah. Bring that up. See,
1: Gaiman's but, work for Marvel has been astonishingly bad, hasn't it? Well, you know, I think so. No, really. But, really Eternals. Like just think about Eternals because Eternals was Heavily fucking hyped.
0: Oh, completely. It was hugely hyped. It was hugely hyped, and it had jo- John Romita Jr., who is still a big name. It's not just kind of like – I mean, well, and that's sort of the case with 1602 as well, I guess. But, I mean – Who
1: drew 1602? I don't even remember. It, it
0: was it was Andy Kubert, wasn't it? Or was it Adam? I always get them confused. <laughs> I, it's I, one of the Kubert's. I
1: completely don't remember. It's one of the uh, Kubert brothers. It's the Kubert that's back at Marvel now, right? Mm. It, it it's not the the one that uh, I they, I don't I don't Andy think it's Huber, the one It was who drawn does... by Andy Hubert.
0: Yeah, Andy. Huber. And
1: digitally you... painted by Richard Eisenhove. Remember when Richard Eisenhove was digitally painting all the big books? Yeah, that's how you knew it was a big deal, right? Because He digitally painted.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was what's super
1: there. funny? What's super funny now is like you you know that because that was a big deal. He's digitally painting it. And then you look at colorists now, like mm-hmm. you look at like Geordie Berl- uh, Berlier or, or, uh, uh, or Elizabeth uh, Brightweiser. Yeah, I was going to say Betty Brightweiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their work is just so much better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, that's right. That's how you, like, that's someone with really, like, a really subtle touch who's got great, great colors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it could be like. And then you look at Richard Eisenhower's stuff and he's like, I've got me some Photoshop, you guys. <laughs>
0: Well, to be fair, yeah, I think people were learning what the palette could be. Also, I think there's a lot to be said for myself. What's that? He was,
1: he was trying to do something else.
0: He was, yeah, he was trying to do something else, and also very different time in the marketplace. I think that I think, although I could be wrong, I feel like an appreciation for color has really picked up as we've gotten digital browsers. You know, the the the. Digital comic readers, because I was looking at, uh, you know, sometimes looking at stuff on the iPad. I'm like, holy shit, the coloring on this is amazing, you know. Uh, and and I just think that Eisnerov is, you know, back the back of the day, he's like, well, I'm doing it for print, and you know, I, I feel like Laura, Laura Martin maybe seems like a very important bridging influence. Yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah, I
1: think I think when you talk about like the the colorists who really made a difference, mm-hmm. uh, like you go to someone like uh, Steve Olaf. Mm-hmm. Like Stephen Loves colors for the the Epic Akira reprints. Yes. Oh, like, yeah. Like they were they were like groundbreaking. They were amazing. Yeah. And then you had like Danny Vozo, uh mm-hmm. He's, like I want to say it was vaguely contemporaneous. Then you had Laura Martin,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who, who really I feel moved stuff on. And then you did sort of take steps into like Richard Eisenhoff, who all of a sudden is is coloring over pencils mm-hmm. and is is trying to provide a level of finish that other colors don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, that's true. And that is one of those things that was always slightly suspect about Marvel. It was kind of like, are they very excited about the, the breakthroughs in digital color? Or are they trying to figure out a way to cut inkers out of the process, you know, and thus save on time and checks? You know, it's like, mm.
1: well, why, why can't it be both? Why,
0: exactly. Um,
1: <laughs> exactly. But, but also like, because uh, you, you mentioned Romita, um, Dean White, mm-hmm. so, uh, colors for Marvel. Um, has a really nice, like, painterly aspect to his colors, mm-hmm. uh, but which does not overwhelm the line art. Mm-hmm. This is funny. Who was, who was talking the other day? Someone on Twitter the other day was like, do you remember Sherilyn Van Valkenberg?" And I was like, yes. <laughs> do you remember her? The name sort of rings of she crazy colored a bell. In... She c- colored um, Dan, uh, Duncan Fragato's Enigma.
0: And oh she wow!
1: Did, um, like a lot of Kent Williams stuff around that time as well, mm-hmm. and like her colors were just fucking amazing. And she is one of those people who, like, if you remember her work, you're like, yes, like they were <laughs> they were amazing. They were yeah. you know genuinely groundbreaking stuff.
0: Well, the stuff like, in Enigma, I really it's remember it's being it's extraordinary.
1: The funny is, like, I was like the Enigma, and someone else was like the last page had been on issue seven, and I was like, yes, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Prigione came on because it's Twitter, and you do this. Uh, and Doug Prigione came on; and he was like, "Oh, we had two different versions of that page, and we chose the one that had less line art so that she could do more with the colors." Holy crap! Wow. Do you remember the last page of the issue seven? I w- like it's the naked guy standing on the ground, and she's basically painted in the sky above him.
2: Mm. Just beautiful
1: brushwork. Mm. And it's not photorealistic at all. It's literally like brushwork to suggest the clouds. Mm. And it's just bold as shit. And it's amazing colors, Jeff. Mm. It's just it's amazing painting. Um, but it's so funny that I, I, I honestly can't remember who was like, oh, do you remember this person? Whatever happened to them? But it, as soon as I was like, oh, God, I love their colors. I love their colors in Enigma. Someone else was like, do you remember this page? And I was like, that
2: page. I was like, <laughs>
0: It's so funny. I really. It's been too long since I've read Enigma because I just remember. It's amazing. It, yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 one of the things is just how uh, awesomely integrated the color and the, the line work was. It was just.
1: I, I'm and so something cool. else I love about the color in that book as well is when, for Grado's arts, he's incredibly noodly with the pen. Mm-hmm. His line weight is very uniform. He's very noodly, and uh, Van Valkenberg. Is using much more um, uh, realistic colors, mm-hmm. so objects are different colors, and then the more forgradal loosens and lets more uh, air into the page, and mm-hmm. also varies his line weight so that his line starts taking on more of the the work of creating a physical space. Mm-hmm. The more she stops being representative in mm-hmm. terms of colors, right. and all of a sudden she starts working like in different tones of the same color, or like mm-hmm. in a much more limited palette. And it's this great thing where like he loosens up to give her more space mm-hmm. throughout. The series. So by the time you get to the last issue, like she's able to just be like, like this page is all in blues and purples. Wow. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter because you can you can read it still. As mm-hmm. opposed, if you look at the, the line work of the first issue it really needs her to give it the work definition. It really yes. needs to be yeah. like, okay, this is so like, this is a dude. This is the background. hmm
2: hmm
1: It's, yeah, it's just like, there's, I don't know if she, like, I don't know if it was a, a conscious process for both of them <laughs> or if it was, you know, she was like, I really need to work to, to give this. And then the more he just loosened up as he did, as, right. as he, came into his own style, right. she was like, oh, great. <laughs> like, well, I, I can now listen up.
0: Or, or even very much at because, – because the book um, is, is itself a glorious thing, goes on to become such a, a defiantly subjective experience you know, as it goes on, that it makes sense that, that both, like you said, those could be conscious choices made to to mirror the change in the book. But, yeah, it all comes together perfectly. Oh, so, it's, it's such a good book. And and also arguably Milligan's most
1: um, controlled and successful writing, I think.
0: Yeah. I think so. I think so, too. Where,
1: where he, he manages to get his personality over without mm-hmm. overwhelming the book. And, in fact, it ends up being very smart when you mm-hmm. realize what he's done. Yes. By the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did I – I told you that to, – this is again, a, an amazing tangent. We are just on fucking tangents today.
2: <laughs> um,
1: I told you it's sooner or later. is coming out from 2008 soon, right? I want to say it's even this month.
0: Uh, yes, but um, maybe that's something you pushed on the is. Tumblr.
1: Okay. Sooner or Later is a comic strip that he did with Brendan McCarthy. Uh-huh. Uh, and he did it essentially in a series of one page strips, mm. uh, which took up the back cover of 2000 AD. Uh, so McCarthy gets to work in colour, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of a social satire, but social satire as crossed through early Milligan. So it's a mm-hmm. social satire about a guy who's on the dole in the UK and whose life doesn't have any future, who is then literally kidnapped to the future <laughs> Uh through a case of mistaken identity. And so he then ends up on the dole in the future and has to try a variety of, of different jobs to, to make a living, uh, which includes like running for president, <laughs> things like that, because <laughs> of course he does. Right. Um, uh, and it's, it's very – Biting and very funny But also wonderfully freeform There's this point like maybe Five or six episodes in because it goes on for a while It's because it, it, it's like one page Strips so you know It goes on for like 20 episodes um, But there's this point like five or six Episodes in where you clearly see both of them go Oh wait <laughs> We can just do Whatever the fuck we want mm-hmm. And like the logo disappears And it just becomes this like freeform Jazz thing. For like the majority of it run, right? Where they're just like whatever, we're mm-hmm. just going wherever we're going. That's great. And it's so wonderful. Um, and then there was a sequel a few years after that, which is uh, Jamie Hewlett. Back when Jamie Hewlett was still doing Tank Girl, wow! Like really early on, Jamie Jamie Hewlett in maybe a year or so after he started Tank Girl
2: mm-hmm. and Milligan, hmm.
1: um, which is just again great stuff. And so they're bringing out a, a collection of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, And I've, I've seen the, the PDF and it's, it's Milligan and McCarthy's, basically Milligan and McCarthy's 2000 D works. There's also a bunch of future shocks in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, plus this, this Hewlett stuff. So it's just, you know, it's good stuff, Jeff.
0: It's, it sounds sounds great. It sounds great. Um,
1: and I, I, I get away from digressions. We were talking about color, but I can't remember why we were talking about color. You
0: colors. know why? Uh, it's the weirdest thing. We brought up Richard Isonov after 1602. I was oh, we're talking about Gaiman. We were talking about Gaiman, and I was basically saying that, uh, you know, Gaiman started out. Basically, you, you mentioned that Gaiman's uh, story returns with Marvel have been anemic. I would like to posit that I think that. The closer Gaiman comes to working with traditional superheroes, the less interested his readership is. Uh, and so, I think—I mean, that's not altogether true. But I mean, if you look at something no, like—I think, I
1: think, I think that's—I think that's a really solid case. Yeah, I would think when you look at Gaiman's audience, it's not really a superhero audience.
0: No, exactly. So unless unless he's doing something like. Again, something like whatever happened to the Cape Crusader is a, is is a very atypical superhero story. You know, it's a story about Batman stories rather than being, I guess, a Batman story. And so, there's a lot of things to it that may draw people. But even still, I don't feel that there's a lot of people who are like, "Oh yeah," you know, like that gets held up. It's, it's sort of it's sort of like sixteen two oh two or the Eternals. They're like, yeah. So it's a thing. So yeah, I think I think Gaiman is doing something like Marvel Man or Miracle Man or I guess they're calling it Miracle Man still. Is is not going to be one of those things where a huge chunk of his uh, readership is necessarily going to to avidly hunt him down, whether or not it's going to be marketed. But I, I, do think there is a little bit of, I think, I think people are a little bit gun shy. I'm sure that if DC, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, in theory, any, any comic book publisher that, you know, would still probably be like, if they could get him to do a year of, on Superman or a year on, I don't know, Amazing Spider-Man or something, I'm sure they probably would go for it, but. Uh, but there's... I, I'm totally not imagining Dan Slott responding to being kicked off Spider-Man to do for Neil Gaiman to step in. <laughs> I, I do not think that he would be happy, but I think there no, is I a little bit it would, level I, of I, that. I think
1: yeah. you'd get the most like, wonderfully passive-aggressive tweets in the world. I suppose, though, if Marvel got gave into the year of Spider-Man, it'd be a, a different series.
0: Yeah, well,
1: like exactly. they'd, they'd launch like, Neil Gaiman Spider-Man or something.
0: Right, exactly. They 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 wouldn't just necessarily put him on there because it is that idea of like they're not going to be able to put it – in continuity, more or less, or they're not going to be able to, you know, they can't just turn around and be like, oh, hey, you're going to have to work in a reference to Attack on Liberty Hill or Attack on Jonah Hill or whatever the hell it's fucking called.
1: Attack on Jonah Hill would be great. Uh, I think you'll find it's called Avengers colon Standoff colon Assault on Pleasant Hill.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's what they're calling Jonah Hill these days. Pleasant. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> So, so Gaiman, Gaiman's selling 17,000 of, of Miracle Man doesn't no, necessarily. No, fifty thousand. Although 50. I did
1: just look it up. It is still the reprint stuff. The, the, oh, yeah. uh, they don't even get to the Silver Age until April.
0: Yeah. So I think, I think, I think they are ways away. I think it, it's going to be a while before that happens. And then we'll see. But I think at that point, you know, I, certainly the way this has happened, I think a lot of people are like, we probably should have just done the trades and uh, we'll see. You know, I, I, mean, I don't know. Surely, really,
1: is there really that many people who are like? That's the thing. Is there really that many people who care about Miracle Man? I, you, you, Jeff, you're a, you're a
0: fan of the, the classics, yeah. Sure. Are you, are you going to buy it when it comes out? I don't know. I might I might pick it up and look at it, but I mean, honestly, my deal is I I was a big fan of Moore's Miracle Man. Gaiman's Miracle Man was a very different beast. And to me, I, on the one hand, I kind of appreciated it, but on the other hand, I also felt that that Gaiman was like, I don't really respond to this material. I'm going to have to make it my own, my own thing. So, like for example, you get something that stuff that's really incredibly charming in its diversity the fact that he's like okay i'm going to do an issue that's a tribute to the prisoner and then i'm going to do an issue that's a tribute to andy warhol uh and then i'm going to do a tribute to i don't even remember what the fuck came out after that frankly it's- <laughs> that thing
1: i i remember it being like so because i i remember reading it at the time because mm-hmm. I, I was i mean sandman was still coming out was relatively early on and yeah. say, right um Or at least midway through it, definitely. Like, he he was Neil Gaiman, but he wasn't Neil Gaiman just yet. Right. Um, And I remember reading it and being like, huh, I don't know what this comic is. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that he does either.
0: Yes, exactly. And you get a really strong sense of that. And so part of me is like, I – again, we have a situation where there's Gaiman. He's not especially comfortable with the superhero format. He – as far as I can tell, vamps it through while he tries to piece together what his big epic is going to be, and then everything gets cut short. So part of me is like, I don't, I, I, there's, I'm not, I'm not crazy with enthusiasm for it. No, I don't. I mean, I think that it's great that they, you know. Get the material out there and let's see what happens. There's ways in which Gaiman could uh, surprise me, especially if, as I'm kind of hoping, he takes the what seems like the isolated characters and bits from the first part of his run and brings them back into the second part of the run to try and give some sort of scale to, you know, this big, you know, wind gods, you know, Collide kind of concept that, that is or isn't <laughs> well, going to.
1: Okay, so here's here's a question. And again, talking to you uh, as someone who a loves the classics and b loves Alan Moore. Yeah, is there really a next chapter after where Alan Moore left that book?
0: Well, uh, that is my particular um, frustration with the book. But technically, I would say yes. I would say that there is. Uh, okay. Actually, Graham, this is the worst part. You've managed to drag. I wasn't going to tell this story, but I might as well. Is, which oh, is, I,
1: I'm super excited.
0: Okay. This is not actually that, that exciting a story, per se, but people might be really. Hopefully, people can appreciate you asking me this question once you hear the rest of the story, which is.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. When, Should I,
0: do I regret this? No, 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 no. I don't think so. When, uh, when I was in college, uh, attending college there was a um a guy that i met uh at the dormitories um who was great very affable friendly dude we got along really well he was hyper literate we enjoyed blabbing about all sorts of stuff and he was very much was alan moore and 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 he ended up being like oh yeah you know i used to be really into comics but i kind of gave him up and i'm like oh really you there's so much good stuff out there, I'll loan you a whole bunch of my material. So Oh,
1: you never saw that Miracle Man again, did you? Uh,
0: that's that's a whole nother story. Actually I got the Miracle Man copies back and then some. Because the guy that I loaned all my Swamp Thing issues to and my Alan Moore stuff and Watchmen and all the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He ended up getting really into it. Uh when he graduated college, he actually ended up working at Fantagraphics and was the editor at the Comics Journal for a short time. And then he got hired away by Eclipse Comics. So this this guy, I hope he doesn't mind me dropping his name in into conversation, uh, Greg Basden, was one of the editors at Marvel and in, uh, at Eclipse, and in fact was the editor on uh, Miracle Man during the transition from Moore to Neil Gaiman. So uh in fact holy
1: holy moly I did not see that coming.
0: Yeah, so so in fact when you see the issue where Miracle Man's daughter Winter is like talking to him and I think she decides to fly off into space her appearance is actually modeled on Greg's newborn daughter at the time. So uh, My mind is blown. Best yeah.
1: story. I can't believe you've kept this one back all these
0: years. Well, be, you know, because, because, well, I, yeah, I have not. I have I've not. One of the things that is super embarrassing about this is at some point I'm talking to Greg because, you know, he and I continue to stay in touch and more or less in that sort of like, Jeff, what have you got me into type thing? Really super awesome guy. Got me a really lovely uh, Jim Woodring shirt when he was at Fanagraphics and got me a very lovely uh, Miracle Man trade paperback when he was at Eclipse. But at one point, he and I were talking about Miracle Man, and he was kind of saying like, "Yeah, I don't," you know. He he was, of course, he loved working with Neil Gaiman, as everyone did. But he made noises like, "Well, Neil may be jumping off the book," and blah blah blah. And I was like, "Oh yeah, you should totally." And I basically talked about what what I'd like to see happen with the book. And he's like, huh, Jeff, you know, maybe I could put you in writing miracle man. And I'm like, what? Uh, uh, that was basically my entire response was, uh, and I and I said something like, "Greg, I just don't think that would be a very good idea." And I don't, I don't remember why, but I just remember <laughs> Jeff, thinking, "I like, feel
1: like we've just gone through the looking glass of the roads not taken." Jeff Lester, totally. Edition. Oh, there's so ma- there's so many of those. There's so many of those. It would be instead of the
0: wait what podcast, it'd be wait. It'd be like wait ah oh, the wait ah oh, podcast like wait ah what ah oh, oh. anyway. Yeah, he uh so, so basically so, wait,
1: so short version you do think that the story should continue
0: and you have an idea of where it should go. So short version is I informally pitched the editor of Miracle Man on where the Miracle Man comic should go, and this was thirty some odd years ago. Tried to beg off, like when he was like, Oh yeah, I should you know and this is why I get like weird stories like the time that I ended up driving around uh San Francisco without Columbia for like uh, two hours, you know, just weird back when he was taking over big numbers, like just those weird, like <laughs> zealog esque stories that I can break out that people are like, huh, and did he like show you like his sketchbooks? I'm like, no, I remember making some kind of joke about leave it to Beaver and he laughed and then uh, I think we ate some potato chips, you know, just like completely useless stories. So this whole anecdote is hopefully again, you and other people can appreciate I actually have been sitting on where I wanted to see Miracle Man go for like 20 or 30 years. Uh, well, okay. And now you have to tell us. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can barely remember. No, 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 no. I, as, as I recall, my whole idea was very much in keeping with the idea that uh, the spy community that is introduced in one of Gaiman's early issues, if not his first, uh, end up getting their shit together enough to where they are actually able to reach out to Dr. Garganza in the underworld. Um, and essentially the, the, he allows them to bypass the, the containment of their Island and begin recruiting people. Uh, so the, what happens is the people who are making the pilgrimage up to miracle man to pray for things which he you know seems to arbitrarily grant some and turn down others is I, I maybe that itself was gaiman's first issue the the pilgrims and stuff what you see happening in the background is there is this uh humanity begins forming a resistance force to overthrow the gods, aka Miracle Man, and everyone that's set up on Olympus, because they are they're discontent. At the same time, Miracle Man, who has brought back Kid or Junior Miracle Man, uh, realizes that he is more or less out of balance, and so he takes Doctor Garganza from the underworld and sort of puts him in as his court jester, and so you get kind of a Iago thing going on. Where Dr. Garganza is, even in his weird reconfigured thing, uh, shell that he is, he's the most human element in this group of gods that are all sort of slowly forgetting what it's like to be human. And he begins the process of undermining the entire um, mythos uh, by subtly setting each of the gods against each other and then at the same time mustering what's going to be sort of a quasi suicidal link a suicidal bombing set of suicidal bombers uh on the pilgrims on miracle man and it's going to be this all concentrated attack that had to do with a newly uh, created linguistic virus um and then toward the end of it Gargunza actually realizes that he doesn't want the system to be overthrown. And so he essentially ends up becoming the protagonist. There's a few different protagonists. There's the... You know, one of them is the the guy on the ground, the guy who's the ex-military guy who basically is bitter because, I don't know, he lost his wife in the battle over London or whatever. And he's the guy who ends up getting recruited to be the main suicide bomber. And you see him go from being basically embittered but reluctant into becoming a fanatic. And at the same time, Gargunza, who's progressed all this way, suddenly realizes that he wants to maintain the status quo but it's too late and he starts trying to work in opposition to it to to undo his plans after they've already started the end so so that 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 was kind of i
1: i I don't know like i would read that comic well thank you i am actually kind of sad that that's not gonna
0: happen i am also thinking it would be hilarious if that's what's happened yeah. I mean, that would be great if that's where, if that's where they're going to go. I think, I think that honestly, because I have stuff that's being built on the seeds, it wouldn't surprise me if Gaiman was going someplace that's there, particularly with the way that things, you know, the, the way that the ages sort of degrade, I suppose. Um, and what I was thinking was is that it would actually, in in its weird way, end up resembling something a little bit more like the, the end of V for Vendetta. It wouldn't surprise me if Gaiman was moving along those paths. I just think the way that he'll get there is not necessarily to my taste. And what I had certainly had kind of a certain amount of crass fanboyism, you know, going for it because it was also going to have a cert- the requisite number of punch-em-ups and things. But – Anyway, so I presented that to Greg. He was like, oh, maybe you should be Ray McGuire. And I was kind of like just the blushing, like, oh, ha, 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 you tease, you know, and, and wasn't like, no, give it to me. Give it to me. You know, I didn't have the certain je say, who do I have to kill? Gaiman? I can kill Gaiman. I've got a rock. I can kill Gaiman with a rock, you know. So so that's you my story. You kill Greg. Gaiman with a rock, Jeff. Yeah. You'd try to should... kill him with a rock, and then he would tell you a
1: magical story. He would. He would. I'm sure, I'm sure I would be the first person to walk out weeping being like, New oh. Neil Gaiman has introduced
2: me to the joys of literature and libraries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, the joys of literature and libraries. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so there you go. I wasn't going to say anything and I wasn't going to say it as we went through there, but now. Oh, come on. That was, was an amazing story. <laughs> well, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, listeners. Uh, feel free to write in and tell me um, how clearly I got elements of, of Gaiman's run wrong. Cause I really haven't reread it since those first what, couple of issues.
1: What is also great is Jeff, we, we're now at the two hour
0: mark so we can end on that bombshell. Bombshell received. I feel, I feel like there's so many topics we didn't actually get to conclude. I feel like I was kind of hemming No, I, 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 I feel like there, but... we
1: literally just, like, ricocheted around all yeah, of We them. really
0: did. It was like, uh, welcome to Which short Which I think span, is, is entirely appropriate. Yeah.
1: Um, what, my, my pick of the week, Jeff. Yes. Uh, is Sheriff of Babylon. And I'm oh, going to throw Jeff. that in very quickly. Jeff, what, what would you recommend people read this week?
0: Well uh let me see here you know there was a lot of stuff that i ended up i i have to say that um i uh, there were several good books that i was definitely into um vision number 4 is amazing as long as we're on the tom king uh, bandwagon i mean the fact that i'm you're reading a superhero book that actually reads more like a comic book adaptation of little children is very very strange and deeply gratifying uh, I enjoyed The Unbeatable score Girl. Uh, shit, I'm trying – one of the things I was actually looking forward to talking to you about was the world's slowest, longest uh, 2008 AD story in monthly form, which is Black Magic by Greg Rucka and Nicholas Scott.
2: Oh, um,
1: you, you know what's really funny about that? What? Um, I have not put my written post up on the site this week. I'm, I'm probably not going to get to finish it, but that's exactly what it's about. Oh, interesting. Uh, and see, cause I'm probably not gonna finish it. I, I will just tell you now. I, I, it's a book that I have given like four months to work and it's just not working for me at all. And it's not working for me because every single aspect of it is just falling down enough.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: hmm Uh, I think that Rucka's writing is painfully slow and the dialogue is super weird. The emphasis in, in almost all the dialogue makes it like, Takes me out the story entirely. Mm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in fact, do I still ha- even have the damn post? I think I do because I, I excerpted uh, a conversation from the the most recent thing, which emphasised where the uh, emphasis was. I certainly don't see your cutting off his hand after the fact. Your partner agree? Yeah, there's no daylight between us on this. We keep chasing them down, if you like, but I don't see you finding any joy. I'm no, so I glad to see it either. It's like, no, what is, no one would put emphasis in those words. It's yeah. it's one of those things where you grow, like, if you read comics enough, you sort of grow used to the fact that it's emphasis randomly placed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, but wait, that it, that emphasis makes no sense. It's like James Robinson does the same thing. Mm-hmm. The emphasis is in such weird places that I actually stop and I'm like, this is just weird. Uh, so, the, the Rucket does that. The story is unfolding incredibly slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, the artwork is muddy as shit. I really appreciate oh, the line work. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate the fact that she's doing uh, washes, mm-hmm. but there's not enough contrast on there. So, mm-hmm. the fact that visually it just looks muddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I'm really nitpicking, the lettering is fucking horrendous in that book. Ooh, interesting. So, all told, like, it really everything just falls down enough mm-hmm. to make. This book is not worth my time anymore, hmm. and it kills me. I really like Rucka, but mm-hmm. it kills me. But I, I can't. I've done four months, and I'm like, no. Oh.
0: Well, I myself am probably a sucker, uh, but I I'm kind of I'm on for a little bit more. I picked up the first two issues out of just a oh I should do this, and you know it's ironic because I I would love to switch to reading. La- I've decided if I'm going to be reading Lazarus, I have to read it in trades. Like it just wasn't, which is interesting. I'm hoping. It's possible that I'll I'll sit down and read it in trades and then be like, oh okay, this book really isn't working for me, but it wasn't giving me enough. I I kept like it's it's uh, another super
1: slow book that if you that yeah. month by month you're like, huh, that looks really pretty, but I
0: actually don't know what's going on. Yeah, you know, and it's it's I feel like Rucka went to semi great lengths to kind of. Throw something interesting happening in in each issue on Black Magic to kind of make it be like. I feel like the story's sort of moving along, but I, honestly, I actually, I'm yeah, just I reading dis- it. Yeah. I
1: disagree with you with that. Mm-hmm. I, I can I see, see that because I I think it's been the same thing that has been happening each issue, which is there's a mundane investigation, bit of magic. Yeah, and honestly, by four issues in, you're like, okay, sure, there's a bit of magic. I get it now. Like, yes. I understand the high concept of your book now. Yeah. G- give me something else. That is so funny. I think, I think. It's so funny to me that, like, I, because normally I am the, the Rucka fan and you're the one yes. who's like, no. And it's so funny <laughs> that, like, the one book I'm like, no, I've,
0: I've had it with you, Greg Rucka, You're like, give it another go. Really? I'm just... No, I'm not, I'm no, I'm, not, I'm not quite saying that. I'm actually saying that I understand. I just think that it's kind of interesting that I'm kind of like, once I stopped. That that I I don't know how to describe it. It part of it is I, like, I learned to love the rocker. Yeah, you know what it is. I think it's just I see your point about the Nicholas Scotts stuff looking a little too um, washed out, and yet for me, it's no worse than stuff that I feel like I was reading in the magazine like two years ago. Oh sure, but but again. That's like six
1: pages or eight pages out of uh, uh, an entire thing. <laughs> right. No, I just I, – I honestly find it like – I find it a book I have to work at mm. and my
0: level of enjoyment versus my level of work are completely out. Whereas me. for me, I, I think there's almost no work for me and yet it's – it's kind of the rewards are lower, but it's all right. I don't know it. In some ways, I if I could get my head around it, I would figure out a way to compare and contrast what Rucka's doing, maybe here and and maybe even over on Lazarus, and what Brew Baker has been doing with Sean Phillips for years, because I I feel like they both have um a different sense of plotting in fact towards the end of the fade out there was definitely people in the letters pages were uh, that were kind of uh, talking as if the book like kind of like oh the book's moving really slowly but uh, but i'm okay with that and Baker being like the book's not moving slowly it's moving where it's supposed to go and and frankly it was like eh, but it's getting there very slowly i would say you know so <laughs> it, it and yet, it, that,
1: that is the most wonderfully hilarious, assholeish answer. The book's moving slowly. The book's not moving slowly. Sure, it's 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 moving exactly at the speed it's supposed to do, which is slow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I I think that I for me there's something with Ruckus stuff where I'm like uh, there's it's a weird there's something missing. I just there's always something that's missing for me with Rucka's work for whatever reason. I think Nicholas Scott her her ability to draw like almost photorealistic faces that kind of don't have the traditional shitty acting of of uh, photo referenced faces tend to get in comics. I was like, this is this is all right. I mean, I, I say that you know, I could be, I could, I can easily see myself being off the book in as, as few as like three issues, but I, but I might, I might not be. I mean, I might, I might be around for that. I don't know. It is interesting because I think actually in issue four of black magic, they talk about, uh, are they, are they skipping a month or no? Did I misunderstand that? Um, um, yeah. Oh no, it's on sale in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. They're they're concluding their first trade, their first. Yeah, uh arc their first top. arc. Nest, yeah, nest, yeah. That's great. And I'm
1: probably go- I'm probably going to get that. Do you know what I mean? Like I owe it to myself to get to the end of the story. Mm-hmm. But I uh, just the other thing about Black Magic is uh, nothing Rucka has done before, even his books, mm-hmm. have felt so ready to be adapted by television.
2: Like, okay, I, I'll take I your
1: word for like it. Weird, yeah, feel mm-hmm. weirdly conscious yeah. of the fact that it's it's perfectly suited for another medium, and for some reason that puts me off.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I as a, I mean, Rucka is a guy who, when you look at his stuff, you see that it's it's pretty adaptable. People have tried, you know, between Queen and Country and in various. And yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, so part of me is not surprised. I mean, interestingly enough, Lazarus. Honestly, that's I think Rucka's biggest problem in a way is is that this feels like a two-hour pilot or something for the first episode, and therefore it feels excruciatingly slow by comic book standards, like. Somehow Rucka gets all the beats in there, and you can see it in TV. But part of me, like with Lazarus, I'm like, Jesus, I wish that it was a TV show so that we could burn through all the story that Rucka has set up and fill it with more. You know? Yeah,
1: Lazarus is, uh, you know, the Battlestar Galactica waiting to happen.
0: Yeah. I think so. I I think Lazarus as a TV show could be huge. But I think that one of the things that's huge about it is, is that even, even looking at bits and pieces of black magic, I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, you can see he's paying attention to doing, how do I put it? Rucka, Rucka's got that sense of like, I'm going to build out a world. I'm going to build out these characters. I've got good Bibles on all the characters. But there's just it's it's never it's never quite meaty enough for me as a reader, and and there is ways in which part of me is like yeah, Black Magic the TV show would be awesome because then this first storyline would be over in like two hours, and I would be I'd be down with that, you know, or even ninety minutes, you know, um, it's it's just one of those weird things. His pacing seems really off in a way, like you can't really point to it. Like every scene has. A reason, you can see why it's there, it's not, he plays it out with naturalistic dialogue, and it's not like there's a lot of, like there's even someone, even the annoying sports talk that crept into this one about soccer or whatever, got jammed into the sidelines of an issue where they're all drinking in the bar, and there's other secondary conversation going on, you know? Like, it should be... I get it. I really do get it, Graham. It's something that I'm kind of reading for the art, and you're like, well, the art doesn't do it for me. And I'm like, yeah, then I get it. Wait, that's the thing. Like, I really like Nicholas Scott's line work, and for Mm -hmm. some reason, now that she's doing tones,
1: which I remember when I saw the first issue, I was like, that's a really great choice Mm -hmm. for issues. And I'm like, oh, my God, please, just turn up the fucking contrast in your Photoshop.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I get that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's so funny. We were supposed
1: to- it is. I, I feel churlish for complaining because here's the thing: all of the things are just slightly off. Mm-hmm. It's just that because all of the things are slightly off, right? Yeah, there's but just I'm nothing like, yeah, for you this to is hold not working. On to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get uh, that. It. And this week we ended
0: up again we got a digressive cuz I was like let's close up Jeff close <laughs> yeah, up give like, your big tree, blah, blah, blah. and the so thing that's so funny is is like I'm like oh yeah I'm talking about all these things that are my pick my quote unquote picks and yet I would be a fin- I I have to actually admit that since the last time you and I recorded a wait what episode all I've really been doing is reading high school debut by Kazuni <laughs> Kawahara and I'm Which down to No because
1: you said that in an email yes you actually listeners Jeff lester I just sent an email that he
0: had to read other things so that he wouldn't only have read that comic it's true it's true I am on the final omnibus collecting volumes 13 14 and 15 and then I will be done but it has completely so yeah I'm st- I'm still loving that book I'm still loving that that series so much but I not in any way that is useful to talk about at this point. So, so yeah, I probably was overdoing it with my, oh, let me tell you about this. Vision number four. It's Squirrel Girl. And, uh, yeah, I read Black Magic. And then you were like, ah. So,
1: it's your fault. Oh, it is. I completely distracted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not mean to distract you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There my fault. Go. It's
1: my fault. It's totally me.
0: Yes. Thank you, Graham. Thank you. Okay, now that Graham has owned up to his guilt, everyone, uh, I think we can properly uh, close off this podcast uh, in in true style. So I'm going to pass it back to Graham, who does all that stuff so well.
1: Hello, Whatnots. (laughs) Welcome to the closing of what might be the greatest, degressive episode that we've done yet. (laughs) And yet, this is what you come here for. Yeah. You're welcome. You can find us on the internet, uh, com, where there'll be show notes for this episode and all the other episodes, including also written posts by Jeff Lester, by myself, but not this week, because it's been a weird week. Sorry, I'll probably do two next week. And although when I say next week, I actually mean this week as you listen to it. Time travel is weird, you guys. And Matt Terrell, who pretty much outclasses all of us, including... (laughs) Now, a couple of weeks ago, as we or, uh, as you'll hear this, did a great post about his letter to Captain America. Oh, which is, yeah. Which was the funniest thing. Uh, if you have not seen that, wait. com and scroll back and find Matt's post about writing a fan letter to Captain America during the Mark Grunwald run. It made me laugh like a drain. Yeah, uh, Jeff, did you ever have a fan letter in a comic? You know, that's the weirdest you, part. You, I thought about following s- that. Up.
0: What's that? You don't have to say what comic, but did you ever have one? I did when I was an adult. Never, oh, never really? Never when I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. I
1: had, not when I was a kid, but I had, uh, I want to say a couple of fan letters uh, in Vertigo Comics when I was a teenager. When I No was a, like, way. Really? Yes. really? Graham? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> you and, and I was like so, I was so wonderfully sincere mm-hmm. and emo. Like I was very 19. Do you know what I mean? Oh.
0: That's excellent. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I kind of wish I – I sort of feel like I oversold mine, I think, actually, my letter. Um, oh, I, yeah. But anyway. So all... you're not going to tell us which ones, Graham? Really? Oh, no,
1: no fucking makes. It's horribly embarrassing. Oh, come on. I'll tell <laughs> like, you my no, – no, 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 I'll tell you off, off recording if I would not say on the podcast.
0: Oh, man. No, that's not right. If the listeners don't hear, I don't hear. I refuse to uh, – we're going to keep it a secret. Listeners, I really want to know, so be sure to besiege Graham in the comments, begging him <laughs> to get it. Or even better yet, you know, you people are pretty smooth. You've got some hints. Like, go hunt him up. Go hunt it up. I mean, somebody stumbled across my letter and was like,
1: hey, look at this. <laughs> I, yeah. uh, well, I also – have you ever
0: – you have appeared in a comic, right? Uh, have I appeared in a comic? Have you not? It depends on what you mean by appeared. Well, my
1: name name appears in an issue of um, Gotham Central. Oh, really? Oh, that's
0: fabulous. That's great. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, Ed Brubaker, who made me like a criminal. (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. Uh, You know, actually, it's so funny. There was one point where Brubaker also had mentioned like a – I want to say a Doc Lester or something like that. And I was like, Oh my God, Ed. And then of course I realized what he was doing was playing with, uh, Kenneth Robeson and Lester Dent's names. He was mixing and Doc Savage. He was doing a, a mix up of all those. I think that was in, um, not sleeper, but, uh, what's the supervillain, the other supervillain series. Oh, Incognito. Incognito. Yeah. Uh, but I did pop up as named as detective Jeff Lester in an I- issue of Larry Young's, uh, Astronauts in trouble. I think Space nineteen fifty nine just re released uh, by Image these days. That's right, exactly.
1: exactly. So yeah, people go and find go and find Jeff Lester again. And if Gotham Central is ever collected again, uh, I'm in a, a fairly late uh, issue of um, Gotham Central.
2: Oh, I'll keep that uh, in mind.
1: At Brubaker, Baker, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. that's fabulous.
1: Um, anyway. I I get it's proof that we're aggressive. We have got aggressive of, of the closing. <laughs> we're also on Tumblr, uh, waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter at waitwhatpodcasts. Jeff is on Twitter solo at, lazy bastard, at lazybastid, at l a z y b a s t i d. I am on Twitter solo at graham m at g r a a e m e m. Mm-hmm. Uh, matt Terrell is on Twitter solo at matt underscore terrell at m a t t underscore t e r r l. It's the second time I've tried to do that and screwed it up. M-A-T-T underscore T-E-R-L. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. Uh, we are on the website as well. If you, for some reason, do not like iTunes or Stitcher, and that's how you listen to us normally. If you go to uh, com, you will find a link to download the episode. And also, you can listen to it on that site. Yeah. Um, we are a listener-supported podcast. Uh, we are – you can find more details about that, I should say, at Wait What? not even at Wait what, Podcast, what am I saying? At Patreon.com forward slash Podcasts. And this is when I pass back to Mr. Jeff Lester.
0: Yes, where I – where last time I think uh, Graham managed to trip me up and make it sound like I was shit-talking. Everyone, so hopefully, let's see if I can avoid you. That you no, time. no, the best thing you say last time, and I think it's one of those times where we recorded an episode ahead. I oh, shit. I, I, that isn't episode. actually out yet. Son of a yeah. bitch. Uh, well. That's
1: like, again, time travel is weird, you guys.
0: You know what? I, I should, we should, I should definitely do my adventures, my time travel adventures for the guy who can, like can't keep time straight and is all like, oh, wait, did I already? Shit, did you people not know that guy was gonna die tomorrow? Fuck. Okay, listen, don't, don't tell him. Don't tell him. Anyway, what we do have to say is we have to thank the 115 patrons who make all of this possible. Seriously, uh, for those of you who know that we do the Baxter Building Podcast, uh, an episode every month where we do our read-through the Fantastic Four, that is directly responsible, uh, we can lay that at the feet of the 115 people who, uh, contributed money and made that possible. We want to extend our thanks to special thanks to the crew over at the American Ninth Art Studios for their continuing support of this podcast. Uh, ditto with Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, uh, for her continuing, uh, support and, uh, kindness. Uh, but really thanks to Everyone, uh, our listeners, both on Patreon and uh, listening to us now. We're very grateful to have you with us, and it allows me to uh, completely exercise stories that I haven't told a soul in something like two decades.
1: The only other thing that remains to be said is that this is the first episode of Wade Watt that we have recorded since a significant life change in the life of Mr. Jeff Lester. (laughs) A life change that, honestly, people, probably means nothing to you whatsoever. Like, yeah. it's... I make it sound like it's this... Like, Jeff is now Jeffina. It's nothing... Yeah,
0: it. yeah, It's exactly. And, I was so tempted to make that joke and be like, hmm, yeah, I wonder how I can pull that off. But,
1: uh But yeah. uh, Jeff has had something pretty fucking great happen in his personal life. Um And I just wanted to say, as someone who has been a friend of Jeff Lester's (laughs) for many years, who supported Jeff Lester for many years. I am happy as fuck for the thing I'm not going to say. (laughs) And I want all of you in the comments to congratulate him for a thing you don't even know about that will never impact you. Apart from maybe we'll have some weird scheduling issues around that podcast. Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm like, Graham, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you, uh, that's really interesting. Uh, <laughs> listeners, uh, for those people who are Actually, interested. Uh, you'll you'll be fascinated to know that my wife occasionally signs on to websites as Jeffina. So don't don't be confused. <laughs> oh my
2: god, did, did she really because I'm yeah. be great.
0: Yeah, that's why I was like, oh man, this is going to be really interesting. Uh, really, so, Jeffina?
1: The the name I chose is an obvious joke. Is the name she actually signs on to websites? as uh, Sometimes,
0: sometimes, yeah, Jeffina. Oh my really, Edie and I are clearly on the same page. You really are. It's a little eerie. A little eerie. Complete to her actually uh, calling members of her family and telling them that they should congratulate me, but not telling them why. So, you guys. Oh, wow!
1: I, I am your wife! That <laughs> makes me so happy! <laughs> i tell you how happy that genuinely makes. <laughs> oh, that's so great! Oh, wow!
0: So, uh, so actually, everyone, what Graham's talking about is uh, I've, I've made it. I received a promotion at my day job, which is great, but it means I, uh, I,
1: a pretty great promotion.
0: Yeah, it is. Like, it
1: not is just, not just a like. Here's the next step. Like, yeah. it's a it's a pretty major promotion.
0: It is. It's a major promotion. I'm very happy about it. This week has been as it as the news has sort of unofficially started to leak out or or been released in some quarters of the firm so it's because I'm not starting for a few weeks uh, it has been met with a lot of enthusiasm and joy so this is kind of my share of the love week so I Graham thank you but everyone it in theory it is it is not going to change. Our recording schedule, it is... No, no, that's true. It is going to change our recording schedule. It won't change the posting schedule. Sorry, probably. the release schedule. It's not going to change the release schedule for the podcast if we do it right. And I think we'll be able to pull that off. Uh, people who who uh, do follow the website may have noticed that I am a few weeks behind on my written posts. And getting that back on track may take a little bit longer, but it's still in a, a super important goal for me. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and also the... Um... The show notes might change format slightly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, uh, I'm going to look into that, that we may, you may get an even more truncated show notes, uh, than you're getting. I say even more, honestly, I don't, I don't have a lot to compare it to is, uh, since I'm behind the podcast listening curve. Anyway, we are grateful to you. Uh, for your patience with us during this, uh, upcoming transition, we are grateful to, uh, you for putting up with the fact that, uh, that, that both Graham and my wife are apparently the same person and we only now just figured it out. Uh, we hope that you'll makes join me us. So happy. So happy. <laughs> Next week is a Baxter building. Isn't that right, Graham?
1: Next week is a Baxter building. Uh, we are talking about, episode, uh, issues. Oh god, I can't even remember. Uh, Was it one eleven through one eighteen? It is one eleven through one eighteen, and here's why we're talking about time travel things. We've actually already recorded that one, which is why I can't remember. Yeah, Uh, yeah. We uh, we except we're nuts. It's it not one eleven? Oh no, we do make it through one eighteen, don't we?
0: Yeah, we do. At the at the very last minute, we we
1: rush. Yeah, we rush. We do in fact make it through one eighteen. Yeah, Um, and for people who are. Who have been following along and were kind of disheartened by the drop quality of the FF uh, issues we were reading through? Don't worry, things get better. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have some. We have uh we have a lot of things to say, and it's great. I'm glad to actually hear you say that because we, as I recall, we actually spent some time uh, yelling at each other on that next Baxter building. So. Uh, that's why people tune in. Yeah, there you go. You've got you've got reasons. Mark your calendars. It'll be out the the week after this. Um, and I think I think that's it. Again, thank you. We appreciate you, Graham. Do you wish to to sing us out? Bye. Beautiful. Another chapter is closed.